Salutations, everybody, and welcome to episode 491 of Conversation Street. I, I just actually You have to explain the joke to me because I don't get it. You do get the joke completely. You're watching Conversation Street just as much as I was. But I thought you that and Fergus both like funny. to explain Fergus and me. I want to be Fergus's puns. friend, Gemma. I think he's amazing. <laughs> Keep him on the street. I know. He's brilliant, he's brilliant. I'll talk more about him later. Um, so, this week we're going to be talking about episodes <laughs> of Curry between the 4th and the 8th of October, and that is episode 10,446 to 10,451. Um, I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode, everybody. Now, I hope you've all um, had a listen to our interview this week with Stephen Murphy, who was the former Inside Soap editor that we, um, that we chatted to earlier this week. I say we, it was me. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you everybody who's given some lovely feedback on that so far. It sounded like lots of people found it very interesting to hear about his um, 25 years, can you I believe know, that, amazing. working on the Inside Soap magazine. It's such an excellent, it's brilliant. And um, yeah, um, do, if you haven't checked that out yet and you're interested in soap in any way whatsoever, which I kind of assume you are, get yourself over there and listen to it. Over where? <laughs> I don't know. Website. Spotify. Spotify Podbean. Pod- Apple Podcasts. Plugs at the end, Joe. Other things. <laughs> You all right, Gemma? You had your deadline today? Yeah. Feeling good? Now it's over? That's your first magazine that you've done in our new house. Can <laughs> you believe that we've been here? We've been here nearly a month now. I know. And we still have got many, many boxes all over the place. And day. we let the cat out today. Yes, that was well, our big bit of news today. Abby went outside for the first time. She got a little bit scared. We got some big um, bifold doors on our lounge, haven't we? So we let her out of there and she had a, she had a wander out and came back in. She's like in and out, in and out for a minute or so, wasn't she? And then she just legged it down the garden so. well we, we we can't let her out too much because uh don't want to run away no there's already one She's missing abby around here and that's mm-hmm. abby franklin we don't want a second one thank you very much and we don't want kevin marion her either no we don't we don't we don't want going off with her ex tez either absolutely not right um, i don't imagine our cat would end up at a pub called the dog and gun no that's probably not a good idea she probably doesn't like either of those either things, of those things <laughs> are bad for cats <laughs> Right, would you okay. like to do a quiz? I would adore that, Gemma, because I was I did quite well last week, you didn't did. I? Will this seeing be if I can re- keep that up. Yeah, will you be able to? Let's find out. Um, things happened on October. It's heading on in the six. Sources from coronationstreet.fandom.com, aka Coropedia. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Stop looking over here. I'm not, it's just literally, 4th it's of just October, that. 1961. Why does Londoner Nona Willis leave her job as Rover's barmaid? She doesn't understand what everyone's talking about. She I can't understand like, the Northern... She was funny, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah she was. She saw like one, two maybe episodes it's of like her the third in. time she's... I'm sure it's the third time she's had a mention. Why wasn't she on our top 50... No, top five... Characters with under 50 episodes. Spoiling it, it, been... spoil it for the people that aren't patrons. Well, <laughs> it was a funny concept, I suppose. <laughs> it was, yeah. She was, uh, she, was she was the original Mike Baldwin. And she couldn't understand what anyone was saying. Which is strange because really the um, lingo is quite limited, isn't it? <laughs> of a pint, love. Yeah. <laughs> what? How do you say that What in are Cockney? you saying? <laughs> How do you say that in Cockney, Gemma? Um, oh, I'll have a pint, please, governor. What would be Cockney rhyming slang for a pint? Pint and beer. Jermaine uh, uh. Greer. I love Jermaine, please. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Okay. 4th of October. Oh, no. Same day. Yes. Which pair of lovebirds go on a honeymoon to the Isle of Man? Right. That was Harry Hewitt and Concepta Riley. Yeah. Well, 
In fact, to Hewitt. Yes, <laughs> at that point. She wasn't, she wasn't that um, feminist. Uh, so I think back thinking. in the day in 1961, you would have been allowed to keep your name, mm. probably. 4th of October, 1976, Renee goes to court armed Renee, with... Renee? You mean Renee? Renee goes to court armed with 276 signatures, but Annie is in opposition. What on earth are they discussing? I think this is probably about the fact that Renee wanted to sell booze in the corner shop and Annie didn't like it. No, because she's in direct competition then, isn't yes. she? 4th of October, 1991. Why does Gail object to Nicky joining a football club? Ivy wanted him to join the club. It was the um, the Catholic uh, like choir boys football team or something like that. And why would you object to that? Because she's in the Catholic. She didn't want him indoctrinated into the Catholic Church. Because Gail, as we all know, is a raging Protestant. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I uh, like my church as plain. That's Gail's quote. <laughs> I don't want any fancy gubbins on my crucifixes. Thank you very much. And no gold plating on those pictures of Jesus. Yeah, and I definitely would never get divorced. I kill my husband, that's how I get rid of them. Exactly. That's the Christian way. Um, fourth of no, October... Actually, she, hang on a minute. If she's Protestant, she's fine with divorce, isn't she? Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so Catholics have got to kill you off. Anyway. Anyway, that's what confused. We I'm sorry, we're confusing this country, because Henry VIII did a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Henry's fault. So really, Gail's just uh, being quite regal. <laughs> 4th of October, 1991. What? Oh, no. Yeah, Henry October. had more wives than uh, Gail's had husbands. Though, well, she's got to get on with it, though. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of time. <laughs> 5th of October, 1966. Linda Chavesky admits to her mother why she and Ivan returned from Canada. But what's the reason? Oh, I don't remember this one. Led to return from Canada. No, I don't know. She had an affair. An affair. An affair. Oh, 5th of October, 2001. What business does Peter open? 2001? Mm-hmm. Uh, surely Barley's... Ba- Barlow's Bookies. <laughs> Barley's Bookos. <laughs> Barley's Bookos? Was that like some kind of farm-based library? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. Barlow's Bookies. If Peter had been drinking the barley water more, he'd never get <laughs> into this fine, mess. It'd be fine, wouldn't it? Um, well, they could have it as an alternative as orange juice now, couldn't they? Barley water, yeah, why not? Mm. Why don't they have more squash? Good for the environment, probably. Sixth <laughs> of October. In case you didn't know, if you don't, if you're not from the UK, I think. Do you have cordial? Is that what you have, or is squash an American thing? I don't know. But barley water is different, isn't it? Because Concentrated, um, sweet. We used to have some. I can't remember who it was, but I'm sure when I was little, when we, there was one person's house that we went round, and I, I liked my squash when I was little, didn't yeah. I? And you these like people Robinson's had barley water. I did like it. Yeah. These people had barley water, and it was. Isn't it? It was all right. Isn't it? Orange flavoured normally. It's, it's, yeah, it is orange flavoured. It's flavored, like multi-orange. <laughs> multi-orange drink. Mm-hmm. Are we off topic again, darling? I never really was into squash as a child. Well, you you converted water. me to a tea drink, didn't you? Right, where are we at? 6th of October, 1986. Why does Bet give Kevin free drinks at his stag night in the Rovers? Well... Getting married in the morning. <laughs> that's that's not a that way reason? to make money. Stag night. No, that's that's true. Um, what had Kevin done to deserve it? Yeah, what has Kevin done? Uh... For Bet, particular. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. He tickled the top lip with his moustache. Um, I don't know. I fixed a car. Nineteen eighty-six. Oh yeah, Rover's fire wasn't it? He rescued him <laughs> well at Rover's fire. Thank you. Good for remembering from the date. <laughs> 7th of October, 1961, birthday, which has been neglected, of which current character? Um, Whose birthday is it? 
Um, oh, I can tell you that. Well, it's one of two choices, really, haven't we? Ken and Rita. Who do you think it is? Whose birthday, birthday of? is of? In 1961. He was born in 1961. Oh, born in 1961. Not that they were celebrating their birthday in 1961. Well, it's literally 61. the birthday of his um, character. And it isn't... Kenna is Rita, I have to tell you. They weren't born in 1961. Hang on a minute. So what? They'd be... They'd be 40, 60. 40, 60? I don't know. I don't know. Eileen. Really? Yeah. Happy Nobody birthday, cares. Eileen. 7th of October 2001. Who gets engaged? Hang on a minute. How can it be 1961 that Eileen was born in? That means she'd be. That means she'd be sixty now. She isn't that old. I'm going off. I refute that information. I don't, I disbelieve it. Who gets engaged on the seventh of October, two thousand and one? Um, seventh of October two thousand and one. I don't know. Tell me. No, guess. We talked about them last <laughs> week, and we said that they were having troubles because. Um, that somebody's mum didn't approve. Oh, Gina and Dev. Correct. Dev and Gina. 7th of October 2000... No, Michael. 7th of October 2016. Which wrongin does David try to kill in hospital? Um, No, it was either uh, 2016. I'm going to say... Maka. Yeah. Yay. Well done, you're doing really well. 8th of October... Gareth 19- Bellina, like one of our tweets the other day. What? Gareth Bellina, who plays Macca, like one of our tweets the other day. I think. <sighs> Final question. 8th of October, 1986. The wedding of which doomed couple? Seven and Cal- Kevin and Sally, I guess. Yes. Not long after the, the, the stag night. You, you've done I'm a very good job tapping away I, um, on the iPad while yeah, we're recording well, it to find out how old I'd leave You keep is. bringing it up, don't you? No, no it's, it's fine. You're doing, you're doing a fantastic job. I, I was thinking about this today. Do you reckon Sally and um, Kevin will ever get back together again? Will Kevin and Sally ever get back together again? No, I think they, they like it with Tim too much. No, you're right, just say 1961 there. Born on the 7th of October, 1961. Well, she's older than I'm I I'm sure think. that Sue Cleaver would be absolutely thrilled to hear that you find it absurd. I, I thought that, uh, she does that not she look that old. she could possibly be born that long ago. Yeah. Do, doing well, love. Um, well, what a patronising thing to say. Right, Mind on. you, be- she was, the actress herself was born on the 2nd of September 1963. So oh, well, yeah, no, there you yeah, go. She doesn't look she a doesn't day, look day over. over. <laughs> right, um, who, speaking of birthdays, Hang Gemma. On. Speaking of birthdays, we missed a birthday so when you're listening to this, it'll be the 9th, but yesterday was Adam Bleece's birthday. Happy today. birthday. Happy birthday, Adam Bleece. He plays Dirk. Yeah. We know that he loves it when everybody mentions it's his birthday, so make birthday. sure you all go on to Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> 9th of October, Adam Hussein, who plays Ardy Allahan. Hooray. 10th of... All these great people who were born in October. 10th of it's October. It's your birthday, man. They're, they're setting I themselves up in competition with you. with some serious talent here. Got Adam Hussein, mm. got Adam Bleece... We've got uh, producer Brian Armstrong and Sarah Lancashire, Ooh. plays Raquel Watts, and Jacqueline Prairie, <laughs> plays, played Ad- Linda Baldwin. Yes. He was murdered or something by by Mike. They never investigated that, did they? Um, that was on the 10th. 11th of October, Jean Alexander. This is a Hilda good week. Ogden. Exactly. Deborah McAndrew played Angie Freeman. Who could forget? Samuel Robert- Robertson, who's oh, Adam Barlow the second. Hmm? What, what, what Angie Freeman? What's, this, what's her name? 
Deborah McAndrew. Deborah, what's Deborah McAndrew doing these days? I hope she's not setting up a rival podcast about Coronation <laughs> Street to talk to all her friends from back in the day and rival us. Better not be. Better not be. But happy birthday. <laughs> 12th of October. Writer and storyline at Tom Elliott. And... What? Is this my favourite of, of this month? I don't know. Because, you know, Adam Bleas. I've actually met him in real life. But also I've met this person. Le Denis. Le Denis. Oh, Les Dennis. Michael Rodwell. Love him. Um, 13th of October. We, we should um, invite him on the podcast one day to do the quiz because I hear he's quite a good quiz I master. I him. I don't think he would. Okay. 13th of October, Angela Lonsdale played Emma Watts. Oh, my favourite female police officer because she never beat her husband. She just <laughs> moaned at him all the time. 15th of October, rounding off a very special what week. What about DS McKinnon? What? And Fringe McBangs. No. Emma Watts is the, by far the best police no, officer. Everybody know. knows this. Yeah, I thought that nobody knows whether you're being serious. You you switch so seamlessly from being serious. You know, I've said this before to people, and, uh, but sometimes I sarcastic. don't even know if I'm being sarcastic. Who else have we got? Finally, yes, Lisa George. Happy birthday, Lisa Beth George Sutherland. I bet I bet she and um, Adam have um, like joint birthday parties and stuff. Sometimes. Maybe. Happy birthday to all my lovely fellow Libras. Without us, the world would just crash and burn. And we all know Scorpios are next. And God knows if they were in charge of the world, we'd all be dead. And that's it. Yeah. Shall we move on to the street? Oh, do you know that you got eight out of I don't know that. But I'm glad to know. I'm glad to be told. Thank (laughs) you very much. I think we should do street talk. Two good weeks in a row. Let's do street talk. Right, we've got street talk now. And this week's Coronation Street was... I don't know. I don't know what to think about this week's. I, I kind of, we, we, I think after Wednesday's episode, you and I decided that it was a solid yet unremarkable week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then today's was also just like, I, I think I'm just kind of feeling general apathy towards this week's Coronation Street. It kind of happened. It didn't like annoy me. It didn't really bore me. It just kind of happened. Is that, are you kind of feeling that as well on the, on the whole? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's maybe that maybe it was the mix of plots, the characters. There are a few things I, that annoyed me. I, I don't know, but but there, there were I've some things that I my can of coke. You, you're really, I'm really loudly. Sorry. Make sure you put it right next to the microphone. Oh yeah, I feel that. Here it oh <laughs> Thanks, my god, Gemma. what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, no, there were some things I really liked. Some characters who I liked that um, we hadn't seen a whole lot of in Curry recently. They got a bit more time in the spotlight, which was good. But um. Yeah, it, it happens. I, I, I can't promise that I'm going to be able to offer any um, scintillating discussion or, or thoughts or theories about it particularly, but I'll tell you what, we did see Abby at the end of the podcast. Podcast, what we're talking about. The, uh, the end of the week, which means hopefully we'll get to see your feature more in next week's show. So there's always that to look forward to. And we do have... Super Soap Week coming up in two weeks' time, I think it is. And I'm, I'm still doing pretty well avoiding spoilers. How are you getting on with that? Yep. You've seen you've seen anything since the last? I don't think I think I've seen like two pictures, maybe. I'm really trying hard not to, um, and obviously got ideas and theories about what's going to happen based on little snippets of information that I've heard. But um, I'm pretty much in the dark and very much looking forward to it. Um, so even if this week wasn't that that amazing, there is hopefully some still good to come. So what are we talking about this week, Gemma? I will tell you storyline number one. You haven't heard these storyline titles. Nope. Abby missing you. Very funny. Abby missing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have got Battle of the Balties number two with Debbie and Zidane face to face in the curry contest of Corrie. 
The curry curry contest, indeed. Uh, what are you up to? I'm just putting some stuff in a Gemma's just volume. rearranging her posts on the side arms in the storyline titles. We have got the Summer Loving story, also known as the Oxford Summer. Get um, it, I got it. Yeah, just open that jaw really, really noisily there, Gemma. Oh, Definitely nobody nasty. will hear this. What else about the storylines have we got this week, Gemma? I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> the characters profiled, we're really into this. We're about as into this podcast as we were the coronation street this week. We have got the Smoke and Maria's, although yet again Maria didn't feature in this storyline, so I've got a Sally-related pun for the storyline, Sally Parking. Sounds like ballet parking. No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got the Daisy story, which I don't know whether we had a, a storyline title for, but it's just called Daisy for now. And Sabine is blackmailing Who? Imran. Sabine is blackmailing Imran. It's a story of blackmail, or should I say extortion? Because yeah, she's his ex. One. She's his ex. There we go. And sadly, that was only a Monday's episode. I'd like to see a little bit more of that because I'm still very much enjoying Sabine. Gemma, would you like to do the curry story? Or the Abbey story. You do the Abbey story. I would do the Abbey story. So there's also the Nina stuff in there, isn't there, as well? Because I had a few tense bits in there. Roy's um, Roy's asking Asher if she's seen Nina at the beginning of the episode because she's gone missing and he's a bit worried about her. Um, but it turns out that she's been handing out some um, pretty poorly designed flyers, I have to say. I mean, if I was, if I had... Um, you know, I was going off on my campaigning and doing my protesting and trying to get people to take notice of whatever, you know campaign I had, I would not just scrawl in big black text, whether county number 10 tell the truth. Not even a pick, not even a clip art, Nina. Poor effort, I say. Not as bad as that essay that um, Summer was almost going to hand in the other day, but that's for another story. So she's handing out these leaflets telling everybody that Corey is a big fat liar, although she doesn't actually mention Corey in it, she says, so it's okay, I can do it. And Roy um, grabs her later and says, you, you can't do this. She's been found, not guilty. You could end up in prison for, for libel. What? Yeah, he has. Hello, Abby, you can be very noisy as well. Just come and sit with us here. Um, and then she she um, she's like, well, tough. Everybody's given up on Seb. I'm not going to give up on him. I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to make sure everybody knows the truth. So, <laughs> Roy. Stefan comes storming into the cafe right on cue later to say, what's going on? Nina, I'm going to sue you for libel. Uh, you can't say this about my son. He's a very nice chap and an excellent footballer. So how dare you? Stefan's got the look about him of an evil manager in a movie about a boy band. You reckon? You reckon? Mm. Yeah. Um, so she she gets this message later saying um, that Corey has made the starting lineup in the football. He's going to be on the team. He's going to be on the team. He's going to score all the goals. He's he's doing he's doing well for himself. Considering that he's barely been in the team for too long, I still don't really get how he's been fast tracked to. Because um, he's so good at football and kicking. I still think that it's. Do you know what? what? It's strange, really, considering how he's so fixated on this football career of his that he didn't take credit for the really good kicking job that he did on set. Yeah, I know, I know. So she should put it on the CV, really. I mean, that's how he got the job. <laughs> um, so she, Nina goes back to the cafe and um, Roy tells her that um, that Corey is playing in this match later. Nina storms up to her room because she she's so fed up that everyone's singing his praises when he's just a filthy, dirty murderer. 
Um, then oh. we have Addy Never later. Never let that get in the way of a good sporting you career. Yourself. Abby um, find, no, Addy, sorry, finds this post online later from, later from Nina who's saying that Corey's a murderer and they all need to get hashtag justice for Seb so everybody needs to boycott the match or something like that. And she says to Roy, look, there's no point playing by the rules anymore. It's not got me anywhere so far. Besides, I've got 200 shares online already. She's blitzed the socials, Gemma. Oh, I thought she'd bought um, into GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> she says, look, Roy, I love you, and I love Seb too. I have to do this. So then they find out, um, not only has he made the team, but he's also um, made this statement uh, on the news or whatever. Oh, wow. Reddy County seems to suddenly be a big deal that everybody cares about and is making, making all the, the headlines and everything. Um, he, he's made this statement where he has revealed that he was a suspect. So he's like, he had been anonymous up to this point, supposedly, apart from the fact that everybody seemed to know about it. Because it had it had come out, hasn't it? Hadn't Jack leaked it online or something? So he might as well say, yeah... I, I was um, accused of this and she watches this statement where he gives a, a very convincing performance for the cameras of like graciousness about the whole thing and he's like oh yeah I was found not guilty I bet oh, no ill will to my accusers I, I know they've been through a terrible time and everything but I didn't do it my heart goes out to Seb's friends and family and Nina's there in the cafe sobbing a little heart out as she's watching this because she's realised that he's managed to worm his way right out of this well I believe him yeah um, Nina is just she's just totally frustrated by the whole thing and um, and Roy's look says let's go out for a drive in the woody to take your mind off things and she's like no don't fancy that actually I've got other things to do which is meeting up with Chris the reporter I remember that person she works for the Gadasset hang on the, what Dr Gaddis's daughter yes Exactly. It is Dr. Caddis's daughter in my head. Um, Chris says, look, I, I don't really think I can write um, a, a, a story um, saying all this that you're telling me about Corey because he's been found not guilty and the Gazette could get sued. So sorry. Um, and Nina's like, like well, you're going I'm to. sorry. I'm no, I'm you're saying you're saying you're sorry. I'm sick of people saying they're sorry. I want somebody to do something about this. So she goes to find Kevin at the garage and it turns out. It just just get worse and worse a day on Monday. It turns out that Corey did a scorey and he's given oh, an interview and everything. He did a goal. God damn it! And and he dedicates it to Seb just to <laughs> rub it in a bit further. He's such an arsehole. <laughs> I know, I love really it. is. I thought it was fun not it. <laughs> and Nina says, oh, "If I could get my hands on him, I would kill I'd him." I'd give him a goal. Hang on a minute. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, Nina goes back to Roy and says, "Okay, fine. I got a little bit obsessed about all this." Let's go out for a drive. I think I do need to clear my head, actually. Yeah. What was that? Just carry on. So, Corey, there's a scene where Corey and James have got a lift back to the street or something from the football grounds. Um, and, and and he's saying, oh, have you never been accused of something you didn't do? And James saying, yeah, that's my other story that I've got going at the moment, of course. But just because we're on the same team, it doesn't mean we're in the same boat. I still don't really like you, actually. So, um, Corey says, look, just give me a chance, James, please. Mm-hmm. Nina, meanwhile, is getting in the woody. And I love that this car has... How long they had it on Coronation Street now? 20 years or so? I think it's doing quite well. It's always... It's always anyone else give a little cheer when the woody comes on the screen? Um, Classic Corrie prop. I think everybody just thinks, where's it parked normally? And why can't everyone else park there? And is he parking on Inkerman Street? And is that why they're getting their revenge? I think that if I was raw, I'd be parking my car on the Kitchener Street because that always seems to be very empty. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Mm. Um, anyway, she's in the car and then she's over at um, 
And she, she, she sees uh, Corey, who's loitering around Seb's garden at the other end of the street, and he's, he's having a laugh about James, isn't he? He's on the phone to one of his mates <laughs> and um, making fun of him a little bit, calling him James Gailey, and she starts revving up her car. I can't believe that that wasn't one of your um, storyline titles, no, Michael. No, no. Um, and then she says she's, so she's going to run over him. But then when Asher goes over to him, <laughs> she stops. That's how some people feel when they hear your puns. Mm. Um, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> when she, when uh, so, so Asher leaves and then Nina starts revving up again, but then Roy steps in and says, I don't think you should do that. Don't actually. ruin the don't, garden. Don't run over Corey, please. So um, he, he, he kind of takes her inside and says, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be going out on a drive. I just want to talk to you about what I just saw there. He says, a life for a life is never an answer. And Nina says, Roy, you don't understand. And storms upstairs. It's probably listened to some Cradle of Filth or something. Yeah. Wednesday, Corey, Corey, hallelujah. <laughs> There's a nice uh, pun for the uh, front of the Gazette on Monday. Nina is not impressed that Corey has made the front pages by being an all-round fantastic, gracious, awesome footballer. But she's she stays calm about it. She's a, the usual bit of, of snark and sarkiness. I just from want her. to point out that even if let's let's be honest here, even if it did come out that Corey did kick Seb to death and yeah. he is a murderer, I think that quite a lot of football fans, if he's still scoring good goals for them, would be like, oh, he's probably learned his lesson. I know, I know. I don't think it really should... <laughs> I think people are just harping on about what happened before. Well, he count, he's like top of the premiership now. Yeah, basically. Is that, what say? Is that good? Is that good for football? Uh, yes. Yeah, the number one in the first division. No, that's no. not as good. Is that... Anyway, so um, Nina is, is really trying hard to um, just, you know, be, do the right thing and stay calm over this. So... This is where the Abbey Cart storyline kind of kicks, kicks in a little bit more. Can't say that. Kevin comes into the cafe, still can't get hold of her, um, and he's wondering what's going on. He also sees Sally later and says, that I'm really worried about Abby, actually. Leaves her a voice message. Just want to know that you're okay. Um, it's all right, because Jack is on the case, and um, somehow he's managed to track down Abby's cousin online, because, hadn't, yeah, Kevin had been told that she'd gone to stay with her cousin in... Doncaster or something but it turns out um, so, so when so when Jack f- manages to man- magically track down this cousin um, it, it turns out that Abby hasn't been staying there after all in fact he hasn't seen her for many a year so Kevin is going early spare at this moment meanwhile we still got the stuff with Roy and Nina going on and Roy says like, I'm frightened for you I, I don't know what you're going to do she says yeah well I would have killed Corey actually if you hadn't stopped me um, she's no better than he is then no so Roy says, well, what if there's next time, though? I'm not always going to be able to stop you running over him. And she says, look, it's all right, Roy. I've realised that I love you more than I hate Corey, and I wouldn't do it anymore. Rubbish, Goss. I resolve to honour Seb's life by living my own life to the full. No. Nice. That's really the most ungothy thing she's ever said. <laughs> she's still goth on Friday, though, so it's okay. Okay. She was, no, she wasn't in it, there. She didn't see her. Who knows? She could have... Who knows um, what she's up to? She should be sitting... Needs to sit in the graveyard and absorb the vibes. Mm. Um, so Abby's uh, this is where Abby's cousin phones Kevin I kind of skipped ahead earlier yeah so Kevin goes to the police station later and um, there's this there's this uh, officer there who's being told what's going on that Abby's going missing everything and he says look can I have a photograph so I can show everybody doesn't really get anywhere basically 
Uh, but what he does get is a notification from his bank. His overdrawn £2,000 was taken from his and Abby's joint bank account at 3 o'clock this morning. I was quite surprised to hear that he and Abby even had a joint bank well, account. Well, we had there. discussions about this before. Gemma and I don't even have a joint bank account. We've been well, married for 11 years. Lots of people have different ideas about, you know, what what's good what's good in a relationship and how do you share money, etc. But I would have thought that... If you're not married and your girlfriend's a drug addict, constantly being tempted by the stresses and strains of living on one of the nation's most fraught streets, you might want to keep a bit you of just, savings to one just side. Just you wait until the cabin section of this podcast later, Gemma. You will see just how fraught this street wait. is and how crime riddled it is. So um, here's a blast from the past. Kevin goes to the dog and gun. Because if you're looking for dodgy sorts in Weatherfield, where else would you be but the local watering hole of the, the, the drug dealers, murderers, pimps and... Ooh, all sorts hosts. there, and yeah, so many hosts, so many. So it's, this is the old, um, the, the old pub that uh, Gemma and Callum used to frequent, and this is it must be like is it five years or so since we've seen it. I don't know, maybe it's maybe we've it's seen not it been long in real life. We have been more this is pu- frequently than we've seen it on the screen. Yes, recently. it's a it's a lovely little pub in Withenshaw, isn't it? <laughs> if anyone wants to go and find it, um, I can't remember what it's called now. Or something like that. I don't know. The last time we went there, there was a man having a fight with the people in the Tesco. They, they, yeah, in, in the shop just opposite the yeah. pub, they, they they set it up to make it seem realistically it was really exciting, dodgy. There like, was a man yeah. having a fight in the in the in the Tesco's opposite. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes there and um, uh, he he's saying, "Oh, has anybody seen Abby around? She's she's like one of you people." <laughs> She's a what skank. do you mean, you people? <laughs> I liked, She's a hoe. I liked it when she when he went up to the bar and and showed the barmaid as um, Abby's picture, and she's like, "You had dad." <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he did. He didn't comment on that one, but I wonder whether that the made thing him is, think. Kevin's like walking around there, like he's got a cravat and a, and a monocle. But Kevin, <laughs> you're also from a really rough area. Why are you talking to these people? Like you're the vicar, come to and and he married Sally. I mean, you know what the Seddons were like. I bet they it's went to the Earth. dog and gun back in the uh, back in the eighties. Probably banned from the dog and gun. Being too, <laughs> too rough. rough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, then this Tez shows up, and I thought this was a really bad introduction to the character because um, I can't remember what the lines were exactly, but Tez like, do I know you? And Kevin's like, yeah, no, but I know you, and and I was like. Gemma, who's that? And you're like, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Are we supposed to know who that? Are we, were we supposed to know who this guy was? I don't think he'd been in it before. Sometimes Corey's got to be careful the way they introduce characters. I think they think they're being dynamic and stuff. But actually, they're just confusing people because we don't remember well, whether yeah, we've seen there, them There's too many characters to keep track on. So when you're going to introduce a new character who one character already knows, just tell us who it is straight away, please. Yeah, please. Who it is, is Seb's dad. He should have had a tattoo of Seb's face on his neck, so we know, with, like, Rip Sun on it. I, I think from what I can gather about Tez, um, his relationship to Seb wasn't so good. I don't think he was that bothered can by Can I him. just tell you something that you might not know? Mm. People that have tattoos of their children on their necks don't always have a fantastic relationship with those children, necessarily. Maybe they probably get them when they're babies as well, don't they? So if they... Uh... Yeah, but if we estranged. had a tattoo of Seb's face as a baby on his neck, we wouldn't even know who it was, <laughs> would we? Okay, fine. Maybe if he just had Seb. Maybe he's probably got it as long as Knuckles, hasn't he? S-E-B-R-I-P. Yeah. <laughs> and both of his little fingers being cut off by the local gangsters. So, there's Tez is saying, I'm not... Oh, s- what? S-E-B-T-E-Z-R-I-P. A-B-I. 
Oh, wow. What a family. <laughs> they can't cope with names longer than three letters long, can they? That's why the twins had to go. <laughs> yeah. L, E, <laughs> e uh, we can't. C, K, no. No. <laughs> Sorry, kid. That's funny, I hadn't even noticed that before. I Actually, we can, call a... A, we can call her kid. Oh, yeah. But we can only do one. They can do our kid as well, can't yeah. they? Three and three. Although, although Seb is Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, but they never called him that, did And they? Abby is probably Abigail. No, oh, I think the Seb is a Sebastian. I don't know what is Tez. What is a Tez anyway? I'm sorry if there's any Tez as listeners, it's but is that Terence? A... Surely. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Or, like Terence Duckworth. Um, Tez, Tez, Tezarina. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he Tez. says, "I oh, sorry, I've not seen Abby. Don't know what you're talking about. She's not been around here these parts." Um, Kevin breaks the news about Seb being <laughs> to him, and he's pretty upset. Yeah, or, or so we think. Yeah. Um, that he says, look, I'm sorry, I really can't help with Abby because Kevin, we, we we rewatched this scene yesterday. I mean, uh, right. today, um, because I wasn't really sure about Kev's motivations on Friday, but Kevin appears to be <laughs> not completely convinced that Tez doesn't know where Abby is, um, but he's, he insists, no, I, I haven't seen her. And when Kevin leaves, just in time, Abby phones up Tez, and uh, and Tez says, "Oh, your fella's been in." Uh, if he finds out what we've been up to, oh, I'm out. he's going to get mad. Mm. So, Ke- yeah, Kevin leaves and he does give a bit of a look, but he doesn't seem like, you know, I'm super suspicious of you. I'm going to immediately, at the beginning of next episode, go staking you out. He said he was going out for a call out, but it was actually a stakeout, wasn't it, on Friday morning. He's go- he goes sneaking around... Um, taking pictures of Tez doing naughty druggy things round by the dog and girl. I've discovered what Tez is short for. It could be Terence. Mm. It could be Indian for speed fastness in every way. Or, which I think is more probable, is it could be um, short, shortened for total exclusion zone, which is governmental American term. <laughs> is, that, that's just, is that just the area around the dog and gun? Yeah. Yeah. Don't go out. Don't go out. Nobody goes in. Nobody goes out. So, Kevin, um, yeah, Kevin's taking these photos. He, he follows him to some dodgy corner around the back of the dog and gun. I don't think it was immediately obvious that that's where he was, was it? But it was because we recognised it because we've been there. And yeah, he, we've been there. So and and Kevin breaks rule number one of taking sneaky photos of somebody on a stakeout by not muting his phone. Yeah, So when he takes great... a photo from about two metre distance from him and he goes... It's like he's been court mandated to have a sound effect on his phone because he keeps taking dodgy pictures of people. Yeah. Probably. So then he gets into a bit of an argument with Tez and he just Kevin just wants to know the truth about Abby or otherwise he's going to take this photo to the police and Tez's like, no, don't do it, mate, please. I can't can't go back inside or something. I Don't, don't just to delete the pictures, please. Um, he's heard it all before. Yeah, but Kevin's probably got them all backed up to the, cloud. To the cloud anyway. So it's too Kevin doesn't us. know what the cloud is. <laughs> Surprised he's got a phone, actually. Probably those should have been there with his, with yeah. his little rotary dial. <laughs> <laughs> like cranking it up, like yeah. do, like doing a whirring something around. Um, anyway. If you say back it up on the cloud to Kevin, you'll get a speech about, oh, in my day, we all, our old clouds were only ones we had in the sky that used to rain <laughs> on us when we were trying to walk to school. Don't come to me with your fancy iPhones. Don't, don't mind about clouds, Kevin. It's because of the raining clouds that you first met Sally, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Remember? Flash your puddle. Um, so they, Kevin goes back. This, this confrontation with Tez um, didn't really do much for me. 
Because I couldn't decide whether Tez was actually scared of him going to the police or. I also or don't what. know what he's up to. Is is he really? Is he in contact? Just drug with stuff. Abby. Yes, he was on the phone to her at the end of Wednesday's episode, wasn't he? I know, but what's yeah? But he yeah, he's in contact with her then. But but what are they? Is he hiding her? Is he helping her? I don't know because we didn't see the pair of them together at the and end why, of the episode, did we? Why does he? Why is he in touch with Abby but not Kevin? What do you mean? Well, I mean, she's she's giving it all this. Oh, I'm bad. I'm bad for you. We have to. We can't be together. So I'm gonna push you away because I want to punish myself. Mm-hmm. So then, what she the next minute? She's like, "Hey, Tez." Yeah, because Tez is. Can a, I borrow you? Tez is is a, a is a druggy sort, isn't he? He can get her the smack. But is she on drugs again? The, yeah, I I think the this whack. is maybe what we're supposed to believe that she is back on no, drugs again. No, she's not on she's, drugs. She's gone back to her lovely so day. That's why she wanted two thousand pounds. Three thousand pounds. No, yeah, 2, no, it was two thousand pounds. I know. Don't you try to yes, tell me about money? That's right. Anyway, so towards the end of the episode, we have this. Um, I think too long scene of Kevin leaving a soppy message. Rabbi I don't the buy this at all. Kevin is not the sentimental kind of person. I think we're supposed to think uh, because he's I bet, not. I, bet, I just love you, and just I just need someone to make me tea. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm surprised. He's like, oh, Abby, I've just given you a quick ring to say, um, I don't know how to work the washing machine. <laughs> I'm running out of pants. <laughs> I'm, I've turned all my pairs inside out now. Oh, I've done them back to front as well. I get four uses out of one of them. No wonder Jack... What was Jack saying about his PE kit or something today? He didn't take it to school. He's probably just ashamed because it reeks. Yeah, probably. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I love that with me. Kevin's just like, just borrow, it. Just borrow another one off. Just um, take it out of the One of the other one-legged property. children at your school. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think we're supposed to think that because he's not normally romantic, it's even more touching when he leaves his message, but it just came across as, like, totally out of character. I, don't, I didn't mind it too much. It was just longer than it needed to be, and I was just waiting for it to end so that we could then cut to a cut scene to of Abby listening to it, which we did get. I kind of Although really... I... Like, if this was a movie, this the, the whole thing would have ended with Abby, like, wearing a fabulous trench coat and sunglasses, walking down along in Paris next to the Seine, just throwing her... <laughs> yeah, throw the phone, throw in. The phone in, the, in the thing, and then it bobbles down. Oh, He's going, I need some... That would have been, oh, need, <laughs> 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 been so good. Obviously, I do not want to say goodbye to Abby, and I want to see her long, and live in the street for a long time and to come, course, but that would have been a fantastic exit. She gets to the her. end of the road, and then she goes, Oh, Jacques... And he goes, oh, Abby, come, let us go for dinner somewhere fabulous. Hang on a minute, this isn't Jack. This is no, Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> okay. Her okay. boyfriend in France, Michael. Okay, okay. Um, that would have been quite funny. But yeah, no, it would she's... have been weird if, if Jack had just turned up, <laughs> driving a car in France, going, yeah, I, I thought I'd come and find you because literally the laundry situation is <laughs> dire. Um, they have some great laundrettes in France. We've, we've used them many times, haven't we, when I'm living there? <laughs> yeah. That's the only, only time in my life I've ever been to a laundrette in France. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's actually by... She's not by the Seine. She's by some scaffolding. Oh, it's not as picturesque, is it? No. Uh, I don't know where she was supposed to be, but like I said earlier, she was not with Tez, at least. So I, I don't know how much contact she's And she's, she's listening to the... She's listening, listening to the going, voice message going, oh, it's so sad. Oh, so, well, you you know, I bought you extra pants for Christmas. Where are they, Kev? <laughs> she's been gone a long time, Gemma. So that's that story. Um, I, I, I was. I'm glad to see Abby again because hopefully she will do more this week. But I'm. I've the story been... of where's Abby gone is not that interesting. No, not really. And... Because, only, but I think maybe it's just not interesting because it's like, well, 
She'll be back soon. She's over there. <laughs> She's, she won't have gone She'll far. She'll come back so. for the rest of the story. Mm. It was kind of interesting that they brought this Tez in. I, I wasn't expecting to see him. I don't know whether I'd even really remarked much about where what are we Seb's talking about in the tale? What happened to Seb's hadn't, dad? Hadn't he been? I can't remember. I think that maybe he'd been beating Abby up or something. But I don't. I don't think we'd seen him. But to I me, might be wrong. Something yeah, about I, his voice. He reminded me of a Wellard Ashley. He had a bit of a squeak <laughs> about him. He did actually, didn't he? Yeah, he's a bit a bit Joe Pasquale. Mm. Weatherfield Joe Squally, maybe. He was all. He was fine. He was. All, he, he was. He looked like he, he could he, turn he, on you, didn't he? He did. I, no, I wouldn't want to meet him no. in the dark alley. I wouldn't want to. Um, I wouldn't want to take a photo of him the, with my sound with my sound effects on. No. Um, what What did confuse me though was um, because he he obviously knew before that Seb was dead before Kevin revealed it to him, and I think that he did a bit too much of a convincing performance of shock and grief when Kevin revealed it. Yeah, to it him. was it's good like, for the story. Been practicing this. It was, but in real life, would a drug addict be this good at, at, at acting sad that his kid was killed? Oh, oh no, oh my, my lad, oh Seb, oh, oh well. No, he he was he did a very good job, but it just made things um it didn't it didn't fit the cohesion of everything because it turned out he knew it already. Um, I I I don't can't get I I don't get why he, he didn't just beat Kevin to a pulp. When he found Kevin taking his foot, he said, please can you delete those photos? No, I don't want to be in jail again. (laughs) Yeah. Just beat him up. Kevin, sorry, is is no match. Well, Kevin did say, hey, I've beaten some people in my time. but Did he? He he did. What, a teacher? Yeah, yeah, I've I've punched John Stave in the butt. I don't know whether he's he's gone up against Tez's type before. No. I I think Tez could have had him, basically. And and just buried him round the back there. Yeah. Oh well. Um, I I still I'm still wondering how much of this was planned in advance. I think we talked about this on the podcast last week that we obviously knew that Sally Carmen had to make an abrupt exit from the story because of a COVID diagnosis. I think this is feeling too detailed to have not been part of the original plans. You uh, think? Yeah, but it but it's also it's quite convenient that she got COVID. Actually, it's also a bit boring. Yeah. No, it is. It's not that interesting. It's not that interesting. What I did find better was all the stuff with Nina and that that scene with her in the car where she was going to run Corey over. That uh, that yeah. was one bit this week where I was thinking, oh, is she going to do it? Or or is she is she gonna? Uh, then I thought, oh, she's probably just gonna run at him and and knock Asher over. Oh, yeah, that, isn't that did, gonna be terrible? Yeah, but in the end, it was nothing. So I was a little bit disappointed. But then I suppose if she had run over and knocked Asher over, and it would be like, oh, there we go again. It's a bit bit soapy. So I, I don't know whether I don't I know what could have happened to have um, you know, made that a decent outcome to the to the revving. But I, I did think revving. that that was. Vaguely exciting as it was happening. Do do you think that Nina would actually have killed him? Because she said she would. Oh, she comes. She comes across to me as being a bit too good. Goth say all kinds of things. Do Do you think that she's got it in her? (laughs) Does she have the killer killer gene? Many people have it in them to do something very rash and stupid when they're upset. She wouldn't be the first person or the last person to make a horrible mistake, but I don't, I don't know that. I don't, the thing is, Nina doesn't really have much to lose in her mind, does she? 
Her dad's dead. Her mum's dead. Her boyfriend's dead. Mm. She's got a, a place on a course. <laughs> she's got but, a Roy, though, know, hasn't she? She's got Roy, but... And, it, and I, th- I did think that was sweet when she was like, oh, I love you more than I hate Corey. That's because nice. That, 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 that Nina and Roy relationship is one of the best double acts that Corey's got going at the moment. So I'm, I'm glad that she hasn't just thrown it all away. I just thought that she was a little bit more level-headed than somebody who would... Um, do something so rash as to run down yeah. Corey. Well, know. she didn't, did she? She didn't. No, she didn't. No. But as I, I don't, I, with, with this Super Soak week coming up in a few weeks, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because Corey is going to get his soap justice at some point, isn't he? And is it going to be in a couple of weeks or is this going to keep, is this going to go on for a bit longer? I really don't know. And I hope they don't turn Nina into a killer. They won't. They can't do, can they? That's the thing. I suppose they, they're not going to turn a good character like her that everybody loves into someone that's suddenly going to have a limited time on the street because she can't just get away with murder. Well, listen, no matter what, I need to know if Corey's going to be here at Christmas because I've got to get, I've got to know what size turkey to get because apparently they're in short supply this year. So I need to know, do I get a whole turkey, just a turkey breast? Was it rolled? Does he like stuffing? Are you on a bow? It's important, Michael. We've got to plan in advance. It's you, October. You were you were um, musing while we were watching this storyline only this week about what would Haley do if she was in this was, situation. Yes, I was listening to our character profile about Haley, and I was like, "What? I wonder how this would be different if Haley was still around with the dynamic. How would the dynamic have changed, or how would Nina get on with Haley?" I think that she would get on really well because yeah. I mean they, they were all oddballs together, weren't they? They, yeah. they would have been all the three of them. I think that sometimes Roy comes. I think Nina thinks that Roy doesn't understand because... He tries to be too logical about things. Yeah. And he tries to look at things from different angles, whereas I think Hayley would be very, very sympathetic and... uh, Yeah. I think she'd be the the bit of... Not that Roy doesn't have heart, obviously, but she'd be the understanding and and listening and... Yeah. um, bit of humanity not that Roy this sounds like I'm being really harsh on Roy but he's well he'd be the first to admit he doesn't have very good people skills no but um, the reason I thought about it was I think that Nina said something about Hayley like she liked something or she mentioned her in some way and I thought it was really sweet that obviously Roy's been telling Nina all about Hayley and what she was like when she was alive and I think that's really sweet to to know that Hayley lives on in the people that Roy has met and loved since he lost her. I agree. I agree. It was lovely. Um, Barbecue sauce or ketchup? Or oh yes, sauce. that was that was this story. That was the story, wasn't it? Yeah. Just, what just, did Tim um, say? Tim. Tim's Tim a brown sauce guy. To disgrace himself, but, in my mind. No, but you don't like barbecue sauce, and he doesn't like barbecue sauce. I can't bond over that. I love barbecue sauce on breakfast food. Um, Get out. I might do if if, there, if it was that he on the table. He says that he's not going to argue about ketchup, and he wants brown sauce. <laughs> and I'll say I'll go. I'll fight to the death about ketchup. It's better than brown sauce ketchup any day. Ketchup is definitely the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I suppose that uh, does he store... like HP or, or Daddies? I... Aren't they? Th- are they the same thing? This is what I don't understand. I don't know, or is it like the like Pepsi and Coke of of brown sauce, where you like one or the other? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't ever have brown Isn't sauce. HP sauce more posh? I don't know. It stands for Houses of Parliament sauce, doesn't it? I don't, yes, it does. I do do that. I thought Corey was good this week. I thought it was nice to see him again. I thought that the um the, the these press conference stuff yeah, was um, such a dick. deliciously smarmy. Oh, <laughs> really like I was really, it. really oh, you, uh, warming to him, boss. the more evil he becomes. The question is, before he departs the show, whether that be through the justice system or... 
maybe in, in the canal. Um, is he going to rack up more bodies on his body count? Is he going to... Is he become going to become a? I don't a... know. Is he going to be one of these funny people like, oh, well, I got away with it once, and I'm on the front page of the Gazette with everybody singing my praises now, so I can, yeah, I can do it again. I'd I'm, really like. I him. can pay my way out of it. I know he's going. I, I don't know whether he's going to just be a bit more careful now. I'm almost certain that he's going to at least try to kill somebody else. You reckon? You don't have a super soap week with a villain who's already got away with murder without a little bit of a bit more attempted murder and going on. I don't know. Is he going to kill somebody else? Well, there, there's also. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he is. I think people are going to go out to get. He wouldn't be. Wouldn't not surprise oh, me whatsoever. Little... Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if they were lining it up for a who killed Corey. Ooh, that would be interesting. How, when did we have our last? Who's the what's it? A couple of years, maybe. <laughs> who's I don't know. the what's but it? But they, they could. I mean, at the moment, you got your Nina, you got your your Abby. I don't know who else would do it though. I don't know who else would. Um, do it. Roy. Yeah. Like you've done. Remember that time we tried to beat Gary Windass to death yeah. with a baseball no, bat? Cricket bat, no. Cricket bat. I don't know. That's just an idea. Just an idea. It might as well have been a baseball bat. Okay, anyway, that's, so that story was okay. And we want to know what you think. We should have done a poll. Did you think this was okay no, or great? Ketchup, brown sauce, or barbecue? Yeah. Gemma, <laughs> speaking of. And Tim's not allowed to vote. Speaking of food, Battle He's... of the Balties. He's been such a no, dip, a hasn't he, this week? To Tim? Yeah, he's just been in it for the past couple of weeks. He's been an absolute drip. Mm. <sighs> Battle of the Balties, Gemma. What's been going on with Debbie and Zidane? And um, a really improbably ridiculous storyline, I think, because this the logical the logic of this makes no sense. This has the same logic as the car parking story, where they're all getting their knickers in a twist about the number of people who... Uh, driving down and parking when oh, actually the residents want to park there but, they but actually don't in real actually life they never anywhere. usually they no they don't have There's cars no, they don't ever cars. park there like when you think of characters on the street what do their cars look like yeah exactly nobody knows nobody knows and then this story you have people worrying that nobody's going to the bistro or speed dial when in actual fact They're it seems that there. everybody is there for every meal and also debbie deciding that her um you know very bog standard english pub bistro food is is um in competition with the local curry house <laughs> I, I think what it could only doing? be more ridiculous if roy was saying that he was going out of business because nobody was visiting anymore well it's like roy getting mad at the kebab shop yeah i'm sure he did at one point <laughs> it makes more sense for him to be you know mad about that but nobody's gonna go oh fancy a steak but i'll just go to this about, I'll just go to this curry place because it's because it's got a better deal. Well, never mind the the believability of the storyline aside. What happened? Gemma? Well, I mean, it's good. It's great because it's got Debbie in, it and I love Debbie. I love Debbie. This is one of the characters that I was referring to earlier when I was saying a character that's we haven't seen them feature prominently, and this is probably the Debbieest week we've had since she's been back, and True. she has been absolutely brilliant. I absolutely love, 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 love. She's gone crazy, Debbie Webster. And, and she's she's a, a, such a bitch and a cow as well, but yeah, kind yeah. of likable. And, and I'm sorry, we got <laughs> yeah. the discussion out of the way first. I was kind of more on her side, even yeah, though what? she was clearly supposed to be the antagonist in him. We were supposed to be, oh yeah, go speed speed dial. But I was like, no, Debbie, she's brilliant. Well, her, she seems to me the way she's acting and the way she's um, antagonising speed dial and trying to get into the curry business when she's got no business trying to compete with them on something they're good at. She is as good at business 
as the Dan's hairstylist, is it cutting hair? <laughs> if you look on Twitter, there are just so many comments about the Dan's hair. And when, I know we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but when, um, when Zidane's evil uh, father-in-law came to confront him and ask him where the 50 grand had gone, I don't know why Zidane didn't just point out his hair and go, <laughs> well, what do you, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, this obviously. I didn't just wake up like this one day. Uh, this cost a bomb. <laughs> you can't just get your local barber to make your hair look like this. They don't know what you're talking about when you say can have the Lego special. <laughs> the bullet top, please. <laughs> Right, that's enough of that. <laughs> Sorry, Kaz, it's lovely. Um, well, look, if anyone can get away with it, it's him, but you can't go away with it, just saying. Yasmin. I wish that I could have that. I tried to get my hair cut today. Just jealous. I, got, I left school at half past three, which is very unusual for me, so that I could get... Oh, you go... teachers. Oh, you'll always leave Yeah, leaving. I just I need to get that. Well, that again, yet again, Daniel... Well, I can't remember if it was Monday or Wednesday's episode, but he'd, he'd pretty much finished for the day by the time we had the break in the middle of the first episode and just swanned around for the rest of the day saying, oh, I've got a little marking on tonight. I marking. Well, get on with it now, yeah, Daniel. It. Anyway, um, yeah, I tried to get into get my hair cut and the flipping, it was, I, I couldn't get any appointment. I couldn't get in. I never have to book for a haircut. They didn't have a cure or anything. I think but they just those, looked at your hair. One of the hairdressers there no. was off sick. No, so I, I had to be that. turned away. So my hair is pretty bad it's at the moment. It's bloody horrible. It's it is, and, and, and my fringe really, is really kind bad. of almost going in my eyes. Fringe McBangs. Yes. On Monday, Yasmin tells Adan that they're not getting many customers because everyone likes takeaways now, as though lockdown invented the Indian takeaway. I, I, to be fair, I think people did actually have a lot more takeaways from the start of... I think even we did have more takeaways from the start of uh, lockdown. I get the reason, I get the logic behind this totally, but everything that we've seen about how many customers Speed Dial has had in the past few months goes against what Zidane, uh, Yasmin's saying here. Well, I mean, considering that they branched out briefly into team building exercises during the pandemic, I don't oh, think yeah, they, they were did, hurting for they? business. No, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Zidane's they like... The, uh, they had the mother and babies group as well, yeah. didn't they? Zidane says, we need to think of yoga. ways to get them back in. Well, you know, your, your grand's coming up with great ideas when <laughs> you weren't here, and all of a sudden she's you're here and she's helpless. Zidane goes to the Rovers and puts a flyer up about a tasting menu that they're doing, and Debbie, he doesn't know who Debbie is. And she's like... Tell you what, the, the flyer designer at Coronation Street has had their work out recently, haven't they? No we've wonder. got Zidane's flyers, we've got Nina's flyers, no we've Nina's got the Coronation so Street rubbish. flyers. It's be, I don't know whether I'm liking the Coronation Street. It just kind of feels a bit too meta and like, super soap week, everybody. They might as well just had that plastered over the front It would have been it. funny if... if um, uh, if Dev had come into Ardia and actually gone, hey, I've got a great idea. What if what if at the end of October we give away soap? We can call it Super Soap Week and have 25% <laughs> off. That, yeah, maybe next year. It, 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 it's just feeling free. a little bit, little bit too on, on the, the nose. nose. Yeah. Right, anyway. <laughs> Debbie, Debbie, he doesn't know who Debbie is and she's like, oh, what's that for? And he tells her, which I think is supposed to make us <laughs> supposed to make us think that Debbie's some kind of Machiavellian genius, she but is. actually she could have just read the flyer that he put up because all the information was on there. <laughs> so it wasn't like she needed to be undercover. I don't know whether I buy that Zidane doesn't know who Debbie is anyway. He's been on the street for what three weeks now. Surely he must have been there for at least you know five meals already. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he probably keeps going in there, going, uh, Gran. Uh, Alia, why are you always in here eating your breakfast? Can we can we stop yeah. spending more money in someone else's shop, please? Anyway, right. So, um, they're having 
uh, Zidane's got all these great recipes and they're te- cooking them up and testing, tasting them. And um, <sighs> Alia comes in and says, oh, the bistro are having a rival tasting night and they're cheaper and you get drinks, free drinks. So Zidane's mad, goes and has it out with Debbie and she's just enjoying winding him up. So um, Zidane comes back and he says, I know what we can do. We'll up our quality of our ingredients and our customers will be wowed. I don't think that's going to work. Anyway, on Wednesday, um, Zidane's confident that they can beat the bistro. Um, He tells Yasmin and Alia, blitz of the socials, get on friend space and tell everybody about our great offers. Um, Debbie Yasmin was acting like she didn't really understand what that meant but I think she probably would Param curry tasting night that's more yeah that's her language blitz the socials it will be epic I want them to start their own social media network called Param and you can Param each other yes send a Param out (laughs) we should do it never know in Coronation Street I want to it and Shelley King's got to be our spokeswoman, hasn't yeah. she? We'll pay wh- whatever she wants. <laughs> right, anyway. Debbie and Sedan face off in the street. They're both very confident about their numbers um, because Speed Dial is getting loads and loads of bookings. But it turns out that the chef gets no, it shingles. Was the sous chef, wasn't it? Yes. Naveed, the sous chef. Right. He's got the shingles. Got the shingles. He can't come in, so they've got they're a man down. Um, but it, when it comes to opening time, it doesn't matter because nobody comes apart from the Gazette reporter who's come to do a review. And Zidane is furious. He goes over to the bistro and accuses Debbie of making fake bookings. Then, just as he's having a go at Debbie, out comes Naveed from the from the kitchen, going, "Oh, I've just made some more curry for you, boss." <laughs> and um, she re- he realizes that she's poached him. And so he fires uh, Navid and storms off. And then Zanan sees Billy and asks him, have you still got the soup kitchen? And then um, later on we have, as the reviewer is still scoffing the food, in comes one of these... Um, homeless people. You're not supposed to say homeless, you're supposed to say unhoused people. Mm. He has come... SDF, they call it in France. SDF? SDF, oui. Does that mean? Sans domicile fixe. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, he comes in. He comes in and you're not allowed to call them tramps or bums or hobos. He starts filling his bag (laughs) full of curry. Yes, that's right. Everything's Um, fine. And he, he seems... What does he say? He makes a joke of some kind. I don't know. I can't remember. He's saying he doesn't want spicy food or something. And they say something like, beggars can't eat cheeses or something. Um, and he's like, ugh. And then he makes a joke. I can't remember, but he had a bit of a... He had a bit of a scene, didn't him. he? Yeah. He did, he did, yeah. So, I quite liked him. I wonder if, if Sean n- knew him. Oh, probably. When he was a hobo. Zidane mm. <laughs> <laughs> so vows revenge on Debbie. And we shall find out how he will kill her in Super Soap Week. <laughs> I see me and Corey are going to murder her or something. No? No. On Friday, when you shake your head, I can't tell if you're like telling me to stop talking because I'm ruining the podcast or if I, you just don't find my joke <laughs> funny. I just don't want Debbie killed. 
Friday. <laughs> um, Friday. Bernie offices offers her services at Speed Dial to replace the chef. Why? Because she's a cook, isn't she? She she butters rolls at the beat. Oh, the... Bern- yes, Bernie. Yes, Bernie. Think I was talking about. Yeah, she, yeah. I remember that scene now. Yeah, yeah, I was confused, and um, they're like, no, thank you. And he, she makes suggestive comments about booners and then gets annoyed when they act like they don't really want to want to take her up on it. Um, Zidane is going to have to step in for a while. I don't know why he wouldn't, because he thinks he's so great and, and good at chefing. Why can't he do the well, work? Well, he's like, I'm a chef, not a sous chef. Okay. What's the difference? A sous chef does the prep. Huh. So they're like the lower... Well, Yasmin was doing the prep. She said she had two onions with her this name on thing. by the end of the episode. There was, an un- there was an unspoken plot line here because Zidane's all like the golden child who comes in. Alia just gets treated like crap all the time. Um, Yasmin was the head chef and then Zidane gets annoyed because he doesn't want to be the sous chef. And the next thing you know, Yasmin's chopping onions. <laughs> He's got her wrapped around his little finger. Yeah. Anyway, the reviews in the paper and the person who came... Liked it, but she says it had less atmosphere than a funeral parlour, and we probably we can assume that she did her research here. Well, she's obviously not been across the Georges because they're always having fun and games, aren't they? Well, over she there, probably went over there in the coffins. And... In, well, it was probably during an argument between <laughs> Eileen, George, and yeah. Todd. So anyway, Zidane, Zidane is like, let's change everything and do this, that, and the other thing. And Yasmin and Ali are like, don't, don't worry about it. Um, let's just get Navid back, Alia and Yasmin decide, without consulting Zidane. But that doesn't go anywhere. No, it doesn't actually, does and, it? And Yasmin's still chopping onions at the end of the week. Um, then, Zidane goes and gets a van. Zidane in the van. Exactly. This is how Speed Dial began. You probably, uh, if you haven't Zidane watched the, the show... Zidane in the van is how it began. <laughs> if you haven't been watching the show since Zidane was first in it... This is how Speed Dial first started. It was a, a street food, Pakistani street food van, and then it turned into a come, restaurant. Come, um, love nest. Yeah, when Kate, Kate and Rana had the shagging session in the back of it, and suddenly. Well, I don't know whether they're doing that or they're just like taking each other's bras off and rubbing each other all over. I don't think they got the bras off. <laughs> I think that the. Um... Sorry, that was just being my imagination. <laughs> oh, you're such a pervert. Start stroking the cat. She's going to purr into the microphone. Uh, she was already. Right, so shut up then. He's bought, he's rented this van and he's like, oh, don't you guys remember when we had a van before? And everyone who saw it when he was in it was like, yeah, don't you remember what happened? You had to get spray it down. (laughs) I'm sure it's not, when you have those health and safety posters, I'm sure there's something on there about don't shag around in the food prep area, but they obviously leave that off on on (laughs) Weatherfield. They've they've got to reprint them all, I think. Anyway... Where am I? You're, you're about... You're I was about, like, you're don't wind Debbie up, or let's wind Debbie up. I can't remember how she feels about it, but she gets into <laughs> it in the end, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> um, Ronnie, everyone's favourite low-level meddler this week, just basically walked around on Friday getting involved in other people's storylines, didn't he? Um, he thinks... He tells Debbie that the van's parked outside because he's got the curry from there or something and everybody's loving it which always happens on Coronation Street when you open a new business everyone loves it if it's in rival with another established business Mm. but everyone else on the street can't get customers to save their lives normally 
Where did all these people come from? I'm so glad they waited. <laughs> I'm so glad that the pandemic is starting to ease up so we can have these great storylines where the speed doll van is packed out with customers. Ian <laughs> <laughs> McLeod's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Social distancing's over. Yes, we can have that great story where everyone keys up for, <laughs> for an Anyabashi. <laughs> uh, um, so, yes, Debbie goes and tells them off she t- and uh, clops away. But then, so Dan goes back to Speed Doll and there's a bloke there, Hashim, who is his father-in-law, his evil ex-father-in-law. Um, still, oh, they're not divorced, are they? So he's still technically father-in-law. He's the one behind all the beatings that Zidane's been getting recently. Exactly. Um, Zidane says, look, you beat me up, I got the message. And Hashim says, nope, that was just for you leaving my daughter, but you stole 50 grand off me and I'm going to have to get that back in as well. And everyone around the nation goes, oh, that's where the money came from. Because there was there was that theory, wasn't there, that he was somehow involved in the bank scam that Alia oh, fell yeah. for. But no, she just was that just that stupid. Just a random scammer. Yep. Zidane says, I didn't steal anything. You owe it to me because of all the work I did. And everybody who works in the kitchen's wondering if Zidane actually knows how much the wages are. <laughs> but uh, he did work really hard. He worked super really hard. 24 hours a day, apparently. He's where the field's top chef now. Robert's dead as well. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, Hashim learns Zidane has invested this money back into speed dial. He doesn't care. He wants the money back by the end of the day. They always say this. So I'm on a one episode contract. I need that 50 grand I've today. Got to Thank go. you very much. I've got to go. Debbie threatens to call the council because she's pretty sure they don't have a license to be selling food out of a van outside of her restaurant. I was like, go on then. I don't even care. She tell you what with Alia, she's like a chihuahua, isn't she? She's like a chihuahua behind a fence. When she's around anybody, she's like, yip, 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 yip. <laughs> and then if you like to remove the fence, she'll suddenly run away with her tail between her legs. <laughs> She's not mouthy like this when it's just her sat by herself, is she? I don't know. She gave Jeff a good good talking to once or twice. I think it was Charlotte that gave Jeff the final peck. <laughs> Zidane says, um, we, we should probably uh, sort this out because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, he tries to get a loan for 50 grand, but surprisingly seems like the people aren't really biting. I don't know that you can often just phone up and get 50 grand. No. Especially the way they've seen how much she spends on haircuts. It's like, if you've used your bank account, you're, you're very irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> so Asmeen says, oh yeah, um, does he try to tell her something? There's definitely At a scene point where he's like, This Ram. is the usual soapy thing. If somebody's <laughs> done something dodgy that somebody would be ashamed at them for, and then that very person says, oh, I love you, are so fantastic. I'm so lucky to have well, you. Well, this is Yasmin. Like, Yasmin seems to tell her grandchildren that she thinks they're brilliant and how proud she is only after they've screwed up monumentally. So last time it was Alia trying to tell her that she'd lost 50 grand... Um, in a bank scam. Yeah. And Yasmin's like, I don't care. I just think you're wonderful. Don't talk to me about anything. <laughs> and this time it's um, Zidane. Zidane admitting that he stole 50 grand. Um, so, uh, Debbie comes into the bistro. She has a bit of a rant. No, she comes into speed, doll. I've written bistro says, here, though. Uh, look, this is silly. Let's not fight. There's room for the both of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how it was at the beginning of Monday. And you screwed it up, Debbie. And now you're having to fix it. Um, Zidane 
uh, is mad and then Hashim comes to number six to get his money and Zidane says well I need more time and then he says I'll wipe the debt off if you if you let me use speed dial to launder the money um is that okay and then for some reason later on he phones him up again and says just to check <laughs> can we do that money laundering thing please and Zidane's like yes yes I said yes I said yes you told me I had no choice no he said he probably said no at first I, I, I don't know what made him say yes at the end so just the drama everybody who's seen Breaking Bad knows how this scam goes down mm. well the money laundering scam it has to be some business where you have quite a lot of cash in hand and you can't count how many customers you've had uh. I, I I don't really like the idea of money laundering at the bistro. I don't particularly like gangster dodgy stories on Coronation Street. It doesn't really feel like it. Um, I just imagine anything be... to do with money laundering, and not not that they've money had it happen much. It just doesn't float my boat in Corrie. There's just gonna be lots of scenes of Sudan like standing around the cash register, like waving his hands in it and looking furtive, mm. and going, "No, no, no! I'll I'll do the card. I'll do the card thing." I'll and then, this. and then maybe at some point the, the police will come in and arrest Yasmin or something and she'll because be like, they'll Why? think that she's yeah, and and or maybe maybe Yasmin will get in trouble. Maybe maybe Hashim is going to send his heavies to go and rough up Yasmin or something. I don't know. I think Hashim should go out with Yasmin. Do you reckon? Do you think that'd be yeah. a good match? I, I I didn't I wasn't particularly into Hashim today. I thought that the uh, the the actor who played him was was doing it a bit. He's going a bit too. Well, too heavy-handed. He he looked very stern. I'll give him that. He wasn't a comedy um, <laughs> gangster. He was he was no he was no comedy laundry. gay Mick the van- gay banks uh, <laughs> gangster <laughs> gangster. He gave me. Um, but going, I, I think he he did it too much. I think he was too too uh, heavy-handed. In going his back to Breaking Bad, he gave me Gus Fring vibes, and I wonder. Um, Breaking Bad spoiler, if he's going to blow himself up in hospital. Oh, maybe his, his face going to slide off. I'd that would like be that. awesome. Yeah. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't think he was that great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't... Maybe his, soap if will, I was his Dan, face will blow off in Super Soap Week. Maybe it will. Um, did you, did Look, you enjoy Zidane, this part of the story? Zidane should do the, the money laundering thing and be like, okay, I'll do it for a year. And then if it works out, keep it up. Yeah. Did you Did you like that side of it? Because I I thought that the um the competition between him and Debbie was kind of fine. Debbie, the fact that Debbie Debbie was in it made it better. I just but then when this bloke why, comes along, it's like oh. Why did Debbie? I get it was just a silly little story, but it just it didn't make any sense. Why did why is Debbie like they they could have like set it up somehow where Debbie's pride was wounded in some manner, because as it was, it just completely out of the blue she just decided to antagonise people that she could very well work with. If she wanted to. Yeah, there was like, no build-up If, if Sudan had been like, who wants to eat at this poxy little crap hole? And she had overheard him or something. I didn't I didn't mind that at all. I honestly didn't mind because it, it gave, just them, didn't... gave them a chance to the give Debbie is, some though, material. Debbie's supposed to have a bit of a brain about her for business stuff. Yeah. What's, what's the benefit of what she did? It didn't make any sense. No. But, um... I... 
I, 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 can I say that I enjoyed her leopard top today? Oh, that, that whole thing. Oh, that's the other thing that was good <laughs> about this. Debbie. Jenny versus Debbie. I love it. I'd forgotten about that until I just saw yeah. that in the nose. That was a real highlight of this week because they're still they're fighting over, they're Ronnie. Still fighting over Uncle Ronnie, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, well, Ronnie's going off with Je- Debbie a little bit. And in today's episode, he wanted to stay behind at the Rose of the Beer tasting, didn't he? And Jenny was like, no, you're not invited. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, that, that bit where um, she comes in and. <laughs> Jenny's like, you do like bold patterns, don't you? And Debbie was wearing the most garish outfit imaginable. And, and she replies back to Jenny, oh, I see you've gone for plain today. I like that. I was really bitchy. It's that was great. so bitchy. That was brilliant. Yeah. If this story was just Debbie versus Jenny. It would have made more sense. all the speed dial stuff. I think that would be fantastic. I love both of those actresses. And um, I think I think this that... This little rivalry they've got is so Yeah, I, I, I didn't particularly enjoy Debbie. I mean, Jenny... Um, trying to pimp Daisy out to Leo constantly this week. Well, we've got but, to get to that. But we? the uh, Yeah, yeah, we do. But the um, but the stuff with Debbie was brilliant. It was just over, sadly, far, far too soon. The thing is, More, I don't want them to please. over-egg it, because I think this could be a long-running, quite funny joke. Um, it could be, it could be, Because I think that's the Gail true. and Eileen rivalry has played itself out long ago. I just, at some point, I would love to see... a fight between Jenny and Debbie. <laughs> I know. That would be so epic. It could get really vicious. <laughs> I can imagine earrings being ripped out. Yes. Oh, and Debbie's earrings as well. Oh, They're saying shankers. to really grab hold of, aren't they? Yep. If I was Jenny, I'd be straight going for the ears. Um, oh, yeah. There's anyway. not a lot to Debbie apart from the ears and the no, hair. No, she's and so the... little. She's such she's a little so, pixie. Yeah. She is, using she? her pixie magic probably, in the, yeah, uh, in the fight. Yeah, she'd cast a spell. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on to the next story then because I don't think we get anything particularly wise or, uh, or deep to say about that. But the uh, the the Oxford summer story, summer, sorry, whatever. Oh god, <laughs> summer still. Do your own... I can't even do my own storyline titles. I'm so not into this. Summer is still doing her bloody personal statement. How long has it taken her? She's been doing that for weeks now. It feels like you know, like page of A four. She can't write a rubbish. personal statement she's in this amount of time, and she's not. I don't. I don't know whether she is definitely Oxford material no, I anyway. Don't think she is just because she's smart compared to all the other teenagers on Coronation Street. That doesn't yeah. automatically guarantee her a place. That you know. No. I can't, I can't think of any it's Oxford like saying, colleges. It's like saying you're the most beautiful pig on the farm. You're not going to be Miss World, are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she is smart. That's undoubtedly true. But <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm just stunned that she's old enough to be going to Oxford anyway because it was it barely seems like long, that long ago that she was just this little girl I know, but making she's her 23. robots. She is 23 <laughs> now, that's true. She should have been going to come back. <laughs> yeah, she's going to do it. She's going to so you, You're doing your master's, are you, Summer? <laughs> well, maybe next year. Uh, anyway, so she's Argy's helping her with this statement because he's, not he's, really. he's probably fed up with um, the fact that she's taken all her time on it and just wants her to write whatever. So can you just write that you like your your dad's a bishop or whatever? <laughs> just do what I did. Not that I applied for Oxford or anything, but I did say on my UCAS form you that I like the Spice <laughs> Girls. Because I thought, yeah, that's going to make me stand out. If I say that like the Spice Girls on my university form. A teenage boy who likes form. the Spice Girls, we must get this boy in. <laughs> And I made a Red Dwarf game on Visual Basic back in the late 90s. I had so many interesting facts to my life. Just imagine how hilarious the person who's reading your personal statement must be like, what I know, I know, they're this probably passed that one around the gonna, UCAS office. He's definitely going to get a first. Look at his nerdy swat. <laughs> what did you put on yours? I don't remember. I want to find it now. <laughs> 
I could probably still find mine. It's probably on this very computer. Anyway. Um, I really enjoy the music of the Spice Girls, who you might have heard of. They're quite the pop sensation. We've been watching the Spice Girls documentary that's been on Channel 4 these past few Sexism. weeks. Sexism. Very interesting. Anyway, she's got a little Zoom f- friends who can help her with her statement or Not something. Not very well. Um, but um, she's even she says, like, "Oh, have you yeah, tried... Oxford's quite hard. Have you tried <laughs> have looking you for tried other, just at the universities? Weather university is that a thing? Weatherfield University. Yeah, I don't tried think doing so. That. I think they're just all going to going to Salford. Um, anyway, that's fine. Our artist trying to stick his neb in, and she's getting a bit frustrated by this. And um, what's Hardy doing? You think Hardy's like? Hello. Well, she's trying to get into Cambridge. Is she not Oxford. Oxford? That's well, why it's called the Oxford. Not called the Cambridge. Hey, oh, summer. Sorry, Michael. Do you think Hardy's just chilled out because he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they accepted me to Cambridge last year? <laughs> I don't get why I'd love Hardy... it if he turned around and told her that he's already been accepted to Cambridge and they were lifelong rivals. <laughs> I think that I think that maybe Summer's supposed to be a year older than Hardy. I don't also, know. why is Summer going to Oxford and not Cambridge? Because everyone knows Cambridge is the cooler, like, more edgy. Oxford's, like, the stuffy old... Isn't Oxford where they filmed those Harry Potter bits? I can imagine yeah. some is a massive Potter head. But like, Cambridge is where all the cool comedians and stuff went. Oh yeah, so that's perfect for summer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she tried to go to Cambridge like, sorry, not cool enough. Do they go... teach you how to have a sense of humour here? <laughs> <laughs> what does she say that she wants to even do that? Because Robot. Some... Robot. Applied <laughs> <laughs> robotic. She's like, in my spare time, I make robots. We should probably talk about that more in your statement. Yeah, but they're not actually robots. They're just models of robots. Oh, dear. Summer. Oh. Anyway, um, they, 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 they're supposed to be going to the bistro together on Ardy and, uh, on Wednesday, Ardy and Summer. But not that they have any customers there ever or anything, but um, they, they have a little revising session as well, but she has to go. And when she does, she leaves her bag. And um, Artie's like, oh, Summer, your bag's here. Let me just grab her. Oh, no, I've knocked over your bag and out falls the pregnancy kit. Oh, no, it's not actually a pregnancy test. It's a fake plagiarised essay, personal statement thing. Um, because it turns <laughs> out that she's been copying from her mate. Such and a it's a stupid idiot. And it was a really badly written it was, personal sorry, statement whoever, as well. The thing is, this is a thankless task for whoever's job it was to print this out. Because I, they had to write something that's a personal statement for Oxford do University. Can, do you think you can get like um, fake personal statements that are, um, you know, in the public domain for use in media? Was this what? Well, because it was yeah, so they, utterly was really generic. Bad. Apart from at the beginning, <laughs> it, it says, <laughs> "I'm not just coming here because I like the bike rides or something." Wasn't that a first line? It was and then really the rest bad. of it was just waffling on like, that didn't actually tell me anything about her. It's like I uh, during my course I learned many things which will help me in my future academic career, such as learning how to learn things and writing things down and listing things out and well, also researching. Well, tell you what, if I hadn't been st- paying, uh, staying at school until seven o'clock on Wednesday night marking literacy books, I'd have had my red pen all over that because there were, there were mistakes with full stops where she put commas when it should be a full stop. There Rubbish. were incomplete sentences and cardinal sin, and Ken would not have liked this, she spelt program the American way. Well, keep Mm-mm. her out. <laughs> anyway, so he, he he finds these two and he realises what she's been up to. And then when she comes back later, he confronts her with these two essays on the table. And um, she gets all flustered and goes off. Um, off to Maxine's bench to have a bit of a sit and a cry or something. Where Daniel um, walks into her later and uh, 
she's like, oh, I give up. I don't want to go to Oxford anyway. There were a bunch of geeks there. Why do they want to take me on? And he's like, no, they're not did all you, like that. Some of them are really cool. Um, and also, you're one of the most capable students I've ever known. And, and you pointed out when we were watching it that, yes, he has only been a teacher for, what are we in, five weeks into yeah. term now? But she's one of the best dance students he's ever worked with. And the only other person we know that he's worked with is Max. Yeah, between you and Max, you're definitely the person I think has the greatest chance of going to Oxford. <laughs> Literally, I don't make, no, to be fair, in that scene in today's episode where um, the Max stayed behind after school and told Daniel that what a load of balls uh, Shakespeare was, there were at least three other children in his class. I think the Weatherfield school has turned into a private school. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, there were five children in that class. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, indeed. On Friday, when Max says, oh, I don't see the point of learning about Shakespeare, I don't know why Ma- um, Daniel didn't say, look, look, nobody does, nobody ever does. You think you're the first person to think Shakespeare's boring and crap? Yeah, it's not, it's not a novel uh, thought you've had here. You'd, you'd have thought that as part of his training to become an English teacher at secondary school, he might be told the witty comeback yeah. for when a child says Lesson this. Because it's going to happen. English teachers, this is what you say to a child that thinks that Shakespeare's a bunch of wank. Which is? Yes. Shut up and just get on with it. Exactly. Um, so he, so we, we see Summer has finally done her real, actual, personal statement as well. And she goes to give it to Daniel because she hasn't got a tutor at school that's going to well, help her with this. she's got this person that's um, supposed to be her mentor, but she's stolen her, her really poor personal statement off of her. Yeah, and well, maybe the mentor will steal this new one back off her because according to Daniel, it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's amazing. <laughs> and interesting, they we didn't, didn't show, they didn't show this one or read any of this one as, as far as I remember. But um, anyway, she's pretty chuffed. Recast as Harriet Bibby. <laughs> I've had a dream to go to Cambridge, Oxford University. Sorry, I've written Cambridge, but just cross that out. <laughs> she uh, she also by the end of that scene manages to get herself um, mentoring Max because Daniel says I. I didn't know what to say when Max said Shakespeare was rubbish. You got any ideas, Summer? <laughs> She's like, it is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to help him. With physics. With <laughs> She's like, He's going to help him understand Shakespeare, but first he has to understand particle theory. The, the, the person who wrote the script is just really confused. <laughs> it's like they've never been to school before. <laughs> they have. He just, he just gets everything mixed up. What did I do at school? Shakespeare what and physics. Shakespeare Shakespeare and atoms. Which, which play was the one with the neutrons? <laughs> oh, it's Macbeth. Yeah. The, the taming of the electron. Um, okay, so she explains it using, like, she, she explains physics using football, using a football analogy, and instantly Max gets it completely, doesn't he? He's like, oh wow, what's it there? So she's like, it's like a skittle in the middle of a football field a with skittle? slightly rounded edges. That's what she puts on the. Oh, a skittle. Not, not a skittle not, not a like a... Not a ten-pin bowling skittle, no. <laughs> she takes all the red ones out, which are the, everybody knows are <laughs> the best like, flavour. Right, the neutron is the ref, and he's blind. <laughs> um, the skittles are the forward marchers. <laughs> I don't know, don't ask me. Um, right. Ardy's getting a bit miffed, I think, that she's spending all this time doing things that aren't necking him. But um, he, he says he understands, but I think he's... Um, Bored. She's he, a he's, little swap. Yeah, I, I don't know whether he's going to... 
But he's supposed to be lovely and perfect, isn't he? So I don't think he is going to dump her. He's being very, very patient. He (sighs) even goes litter picking with her at the end of the episode. Last time he went litter picking, it was because it was, um, it was, it was a community service. No, I don't think it was community service. They all got in trouble. They all had to do, and then they beat each other up. And then they had to do community service. That's it, that's it. They were doing a community litter pick a year and a half or so ago. (laughs) And Ardy starts beating up the person that calls... Um, his sister a tramp or something. And they're like, well, why, how are we supposed to punish you now? <laughs> um, I didn't really, I didn't really understand why they made it litter picking because they didn't actually show them picking any litter. Uh, I don't know. Any, what, what happened? To put it on her CV. Yeah, yeah, well, everything that someone's imagine, doing is just so that you can put it on a CV. reading all the personal statements for your Oxford. It's like, in my spare time, I like to explain neutrons and go litter picking with my... <laughs> With my dad, who's not really my dad. He's a bishop. Archdeacon, thank you. <laughs> anyway, Summer says, sorry, RD, I've not got much time for you. And he says, it's okay, because I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to The end you. of the story. Um, I don't want to be in one of those teen pregnancy storylines. No. Um, so, uh, th- th- again, this was okay. I th- that's just my judgment of everything this week. It was all right. It, it was one of these... the time. Well, the logic didn't make sense. Again, because if someone's so smart, why would she copy this personal statement? Because it's not been that long since this woman's been to, been to Oxford. I, you think do you think they'd remember copy... it? Oh, yeah, I this is they... the one that... Michael, this is the rubbish one. I think they keep copies of them all. Quite probably, yeah. I mean, Summer has had... Um, and she literally rough... just copied, completely copied it. I don't know why she didn't photocopy it. She didn't, she didn't change it at all, would, Do you think she? that would give it away She doesn't bit. deserve to she go to Oxford. She just tipexed out someone else's name. And then, like, there's various parts where it's, like, it's crossed out <laughs> lacrosse and put in neutrons. <laughs> croquet, not crochet. Croquet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think that... Um, she can't write. She, I, I just don't think that she is Oxford material necessarily. I just but think she, that she, 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 sort of girl she, she has had a rough few months. What with with the head beating and everything, and all those energy drinks that she was having, and oh, yeah. she got a diabetes she and put all that. that. In her There's so many statement. interesting things that she's been going on in her I, life. She's like, <laughs> she I think the I should. Story. I think I should go to Oxford because I'm from a very rough background, and I can give the students life experiences that they never would get otherwise. For example, did you know? I was once off my face on spice in an alleyway. <laughs> we call those ginnels up here. I I, um, I forgot what I was going to say. If if um if she went on to like you know the X Factor or yeah. Pop Idol or whatever with She'd the sob story through, that she's yeah. got, she's got through. And isn't the Oxford interview process just a bit like X Factor but for geeks? Um, I think it depends on whether you're rich or not. I think if you're rich, it doesn't matter. You don't need a substrate, but if you're poor, you have to have loads. She she is not rich because um, Todd stole the heat pump. Yeah, exactly. Still, now they're, they're in still debt. recording for that. Yeah, um, and they live in a flat instead of in a lovely archdeaconery. Yeah, but it's all right though anyway because um, I think Ardy would miss her if she went to Oxford. He's not. We've not had any scenes yet, have we, of him saying, "Oh yeah, actually, I don't want you to go." No, I know. He's like brilliant. I can just get rid of her and get a new bird. Mm. I just think she's summer, not going to go, is she? Summer seems to me to be the sort of girl who people assume she's clever because she doesn't say anything and she's quiet. Well, sometimes the quiet ones... She opens her mouth and she's like, 
No, she's not. She is. She's just clever. She's clever. Imagine, imagine a a particle is a football field, but rounded off. Anyway, wow, I get it now. I'm, I am at least finding summer a little bit more interesting in this story. I said this to you the other day, isn't it? The 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 Ardy and Summer relationship is kind of sweet. It's it's got shades of um, Nina and Seb early this year. It's not exactly the same. I mean, when when Seb was dressed up as a goth and he had the funeral wreath of Nina, although that was a bit of a a a misfire when he did that. Oh yeah, that was funny. That, That those two weeks were utterly precious. And we're, we're not seeing that because Summer's not giving Ardy the time. So, but he, Ardy is being so lovely and patient and wonderful. The equivalent then of, of um, what Seb tried to do for Nina would be for Ardy to try to punt up the canal. Do you think? Yeah. I think he'd go dressed as a giant robot. I think he'd come to her and go, I am awesome. <laughs> She'd love that. <laughs> she wouldn't get it. She's a nerd. <laughs> She doesn't watch South Park. It's far too rude. Billy wouldn't let her. No. Granny what was it that Billy was wouldn't. saying today about? Oh, I'm a I'm a vicar. I shouldn't really lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like why? Just stop, keep telling why yourself that, Billy. You follow all <laughs> the commandments to the letter, don't you? Have you read which which bit of the Bible did you actually read? <laughs> the dedication to my son Jesus. Um, right. Characters profile, Gemma Bailey's. Okay. Right, so there was, and I apologise in advance for these notes because what was going on between him and Steve at the end of Wednesday's episode, I don't really know. So I've not really written. It was um, trivia night in the Rovers football trivia. Picked up on this and thought it felt a bit forced. No. So on Monday, James gets some posts from the police and he does a little, does a little racist investigation fake out where he's like, Classic. oh no, I've got the results back from the police. And they're like, oh damn. And he's like, don't worry, they're apologising officially. And everyone's like, yay. To be fair, he did have a good fake out with the um, with the paternity test the other month, didn't he? When he said it was Cambalo. He was trying <laughs> yeah, to was trying funny. to recapture the glory like, I can't of think that. of anything funny to say. I just say it's, it's all the truth. Um, so he's he's happy, but then he realises that actually, what does it matter in the end? You know, and it, he, fair enough. Um, Aggie says, you need to always point out if you see injustice and that things will change eventually. It just doesn't happen overnight. And she says, I'm so proud of you, Sam. I, I make fun of, of the Bailey sometimes, but I did think that that was a very nice scene with Aggie. And it made me think, yeah, actually, because she was like, back in when I was your age... We would not have got an apology yeah. from the police. So that's showing that the world is changing. And you might think that, well, what difference has this made? But things small are... Steps. It is. It's a small it's step. It, it? It's frustratingly small steps. And they're, and they're all talking about, oh, we've got, we got to do this for Glory so she doesn't grow up in this world. To be honest, Glory probably will grow up in a world where there is still racism. Well, and ever, she goes bound to, but... It just feels really great, hard great, to great, watch great, great, people great. be grateful for crumbs when they should be getting, you know... Yeah, it is, but it is. But it is. But I, I thought that, yeah, that made me think a bit. It's, it, do it like does. It. it makes you. It really puts you um, in. In I, I think if you're if you've got empathy and you've got you know if you're open minded, this story can teach you a lot. But I think people are still very defensive about learning about this, the experiences that they're going through, and not really willing to listen. Same with Frida. Yeah, to yeah. To be honest, where you don't want to hear somebody else's point of view because it's a bit uncomfortable. Um, it is uncomfortable because they are they are happy for the scraps mm. um, because it's better than nothing, which is what they had before. But they yeah. shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't have to settle. But they, you know, again, it's it's painful. It's painful to watch this very slow progress. 
but it is right to say that it's only through incremental improvements that you're going to get anywhere it's not it isn't going to happen overnight it just can't it just can't possibly happen that way then we get this policeman who comes over who's the one who made the complaint or arrested no, no, him. No, he's the one that arrested yeah, yeah in the first place and he's the one that the complaint's been made about and he's obviously got in trouble or i don't know what they did to him we don't find <laughs> out he's off duty and he says look i'm sorry about the misunderstanding and james is like well okay and then he's he says, like no sorry he you say you yeah. say you're sorry. I don't accept that. Not James really has been happy. Yeah, not really particularly gracious about it. <laughs> I would be a bit arsy about it as well. Hey, you ha- says, hurt my leg, you know. Yeah, he's the policeman says I'm not racist, and James says, well, you might not think that you are, and then that's it. He just kind of the policeman just kind of walks off, and it, we're left with this kind of very uncomfortable scene yeah you said you said you wonder whether the police is going to go and uh, try and kill himself or um or something well i didn't know where to go with this because it it ended there and i don't know if that the the police officer really did feel kind of quite desperately sad that this has happened but it was he sad that he'd been caught out was he sad because he's realized there's lots of things I, i don't really know for sure whether he he is you know how, how whether he thinks he got away with it because he he's he, they've I don't know he he felt like he was genuinely sorry yeah but you don't know why and, and James just threw it back in his face yeah 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 and so I don't know whether we're supposed to sympathise with him or not um it's it's tough because you know he's being told that he's a racist and he doesn't even know that he is mm. and many people would find that difficult to reckon with yeah um. And I don't know what is the solution to that particularly, to be honest. It felt like it was unfinished, but then it never got picked back up again. So can no, only assume yet. that that was supposed to be the end of the story for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. I, just... I, I, I wonder whether like, you know, James is going to have some triumphant fast track on the football management program oh, or something. And then just as he gets it, we find out that DC, what's his face, has um, yeah, but jumped then, off a cliff. But so what? It's not James's fault. No, but it would. But that's um, why. That's why I said I take don't the think shine that would off happen. the moment, wouldn't it? For I know, but what's the story? <laughs> what's the point of that though? The story, Coronation Street is this. This story is Coronation Street's redemption story in a way because they haven't addressed a lot of the issues that they're trying to tackle at this point with the Bailey storyline. And they're trying to make up for lost time because I honestly think that it's poor that we haven't had um, a black family on the street before the Baileys. Mm. And so they're having to make up for lost time here. And so to have a story in with a ra- where the racism storyline ends with the policeman killing himself and everyone feeling bad that they accused him of racism <laughs> is not the way the story's going to end, is it? I guess not. Because it would then. Because what would the moral of the story be then? Exactly. That's why I said it was a bad theory at the time. Uh, I said that doesn't make sense. Because what's the moral of the story? Like, don't don't accuse people of being racist, even if they are, because they might get sad. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. They the Coronation Street. This is why some of this isn't really hitting. I think because Coronation Street has to tell, has to sort of teach us a lesson. To prove that they've learned something mm. to make up for the time that they've missed out on representing these issues. 
So it's not really a story. It's like a, a lesson. Yeah. And it's, it does feel it's like going that a bit it's getting a bit hollow. Mm. And people are finding it a bit difficult. Well, I, I'm also finding James a bit, you know, a bit annoying sometimes. I know he's not he's not the most um, the, the easiest character to like. He just it seems to be in a mood a lot of the time, doesn't he? In a bit of a grump. I don't really know what to say about him, to be honest. So on Wednesday, he this this annoyed me. Um, his the PR guy from the football club have said, oh, we've heard that the police thing uh, turned out all right and you were definitely in the right to complain about it. So we want to support you more to help and be an ally, but, but you've got to tell us what to do, which is like, great. No, that's not how this really works. It's, the thing is, it does work like this sometimes. When you're in a minority in a, in a, in a situation and you want things to change, sometimes it is on you to have to lead the way and it's really not fair at all that this responsibility falls on your shoulders um but you know it, it kind of i've stuck stuck between two thoughts when so i was watching a bit this. like when um when you're going through a tough time and somebody says if there's anything i can do to help it's, it's not like, particularly yeah, helpful it's like well great just offer offer something say don't uh, let look, it down to why me, what to can ban, we like can we do this or can we do that or we can put money here or we can put money there but at the same time who are you as like a white person who's never really thought about racism before to suggest things mm. to a black person who's lived the experience their whole life? James might actually have some ideas. So I'm stuck between these two ideas of like, you know, is it patronising to say, look, James, we, we can donate money to this or we can invest in that. We've thought of all these ideas. Or is it just a cop out to go, James, you tell us. <laughs> we don't know. Well, fortunately for them, they don't have to worry about that for too long because James comes up with his own idea after a spot of football trivia at the end of Wednesday and beginning of Friday's episode, doesn't he? Football well, management. Hang on. Michael tells him it's all of our responsibilities to change the future, which is where it felt a bit like, um, you know, I'm watching... Yeah, here endeth the lesson. No, I'm, I don't watch... I haven't watched children's TV for... A good fifty years, <laughs> so I don't know what children's TV is like, but it felt that's, like that's I was why you watching. don't recognise um, Michael because from his stint on CBB. <laughs> it did feel a bit like he just picked up the wrong script. <laughs> um, everyone's proud of him, and then they talk. He and Steve talk about football trivia about when was the first black player in the. <sighs> Uh, and they cut. They don't know, and it was 1925, and. Um, so he realises from this conversation that was kind of went over our heads that Steve, Steve and James have some more football trivia and then James realises that there are very few black football managers. And, and I don't There know. have been very few, yeah. I don't I, th- know. I thought the answer would have been, actually, there's been none, but it turns out there well, have yeah, been Well, yeah, that's some. what I was like. There's been none, there's been none. And they were like, there haven't been very many. And I was like... Well, how many have there been? If James asked me that, I'd be like, zero. I'd be like, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> how how I many... I can't take the wind out of my sails now, thanks. How many female football managers have there been? <laughs> huh? Well, maybe James can be one of those. Maybe. There's no limits to what you can achieve. Um, he decides that he wants to um, put into motion a plan for the club to train up black players to put them on a track to become potential managers for the future, which actually sounds like a pretty good idea, yeah, really. Yeah, I quite like that idea. That's like an actual sensible 
it's concrete, not... real-world thing that could actually happen in real life and could actually happen in the show. It doesn't sound like it's a particularly interesting story. I don't, but yeah. it's a noble idea. <laughs> I don't. If Coronation Street has a story where they get the first black manager in, what is it, the World Cup? The first England manager who's black in the World Cup in 2022. I won't really have much to say about it because I don't care about football. I can't believe it was World Cup again though. We were watching the it's telly earlier, weren't we? And they had an advert for this World <coughs> Cup next year. I was like, we've just had a World Cup, haven't we? And then you pointed out it was the Euros that delayed yeah. from last year. So Yeah. <coughs> All this bloody football. Wait, Too much football. Those Corrie you know box what? sets are going to be back before we know it, aren't they? Next summer, just wait. cancelling Corrie for football, they're talking about football on Corrie. Can't what escape the heck it. is this? So obviously I'm being sarcastic here. This is a very important thing that means a lot to people that care about football, but I'm just not one of them. No. Um, well, they do get into it when it's on. Well, listen, I was thinking, all that bloody racism, disgusting, violent vitriol that came out when we had the Euro finals and those poor players missed their penalties and how much they, you know, how much stick they got. Imagine if the manager was black. mm Bloody hell, every single thing that ever happened, we did not hear the end of it. It's disgusting. I don't, well, anyway, I don't know. Seems like, um... I'm surprised, I would have thought that maybe um, by this point, they might have been able to reference that in Coronation Street, because yeah, I, I don't know how long in advance the scripts are written, but I would have thought this <laughs> I mean, far in advance. <laughs> the Euros are probably over by the time they, I don't know. It's a good idea, it's something we don't, care about well Aggie football. says it's quite a good idea but instead of other people doing it why don't you do it James I you like the way they're manager. like look oh, yeah, I, didn't think I, I think everyone's this the unspoken part of this was everyone saying look you like you were like the new young hot player and Corey's come along <laughs> yeah no and one's I don't got wanna, posters no on one's room talking on about you now. anymore everyone's like why did we give him the number 10 shirt this guy, Corey, should have got it. Mm. He's much better than you. He makes you look like crap, quite frankly. I think you should get into coaching. <laughs> and it, what, how old is James? He's like 12. He's literally <laughs> just started playing. And Corey's come along, like basically made him look like an amateur. And now everyone's saying to, to James, why don't you look into doing something different than football? Why don't you teach other people how? They always say, if you can't do, teach. And if you can't teach, coach football. Yeah, I think he should go around like um, dealing football stickers. He'd probably be quite good at that. Dealing or stealing? Dealing. Oh, right, okay. I want to see Corey on Weathy County's calendar. Next year. He'll be on it, won't he? Be Tell ca- you what, they'll printed them up by now and they're going to have to shred them all when it turns out he's a murderer. He'll, they're probably going to make a whole calendar dedicated to him. Yep. <sighs> he's basically, he comes back... Michael James comes back from talking to the football club and he looks like a massive mug, if you ask me, because he's gone to them. I think that we should train up black players to be football coaches so that we can get more black managers. And they're like, brilliant. And then he says, can I do it? And they're like, yes, you can do whatever you like in your own time. And he comes back and he goes, guess what? They said they'd let me learn how to be a coach in my own time. James, you can do anything you want in your own time, you in where are you talking about <laughs> they've given you permission do you think that we're um, going to see him be the manager of Weatherfield County one day I think that would be really cool because remember when James first came into this story and we we as you and I 
as people that know nothing about football, had our eyes open to the the problems did, of of racism in football. And James pointed out. Well, it was it was also about homophobia in football as well, yeah, well which yeah, is something exactly, that we didn't yeah. really know much no, about. No, we knew nothing about. And it. I think it would be quite a nice journey for James to, you know, say, "Well, I've come come through this, and not only have I accepted by, you know, the players, by the fans, or whatever, I have become the manager." As, well, as listen, unlikely, I don't know as it would listen, be. Listen, James said. There are 20, 25% of the players are black players, but how many of them are managers? And that's a very valid point because it should be proportional to the number of players. Otherwise, there's something going wrong there, isn't there? Yeah. If, if you're not if you're not promoting these players to a higher management position, there's clearly something a bit rotten going on there. Is that where managers come from, though? Are they I don't know. Ex-players? Are they? I don't know. Because... I don't know. Who's the England manager? Gareth, Gareth Southgate. Southgate. He used to be a football player, didn't he? He played football or two in his time. He kicked... He missed some few penalties he did. back he, in the day. He did. But he but, didn't do it while being black, which is the worst crime did, did, that did, you can do in this country. Yeah. But did, I, I, I honestly, I don't know whether football managers are all ex-players. Let's say they are. Yeah. Let's just... Let's just say they I are. think it'd be quite nice if James did become one, but I don't know whether James is still going to be in the programme long listen, enough to be able to become a football manager. That's true. But let me just say, this is this is the problem I had when we first it first came into the he first came into the show, because I thought, okay, there's a very worthy uh cause here that they're or issue that they're bringing to my attention, which I didn't know about. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But where are you going with this? Because, and I've said this before, the problem with James is he is a Weatherly County player and the world of celebrity and footballing can't really mingle with the world of Coronation Street. It doesn't really work mm. like that. You can't have someone who's a celebrity. Like, we have Tommy Orpington and stuff and people... He's not a main character. You know what I mean? Exactly. So where are we going with this? And also, the other thing is, James as a character can't ever affect change on the real world of football and racism and homophobia. No. So how can we have a satisfying story arc that deals with this theme in a positive way right. but tells a satisfying story? And I think Coronation Street have cracked it a little bit here with this idea of training James up or or tackling this idea that we should have more football managers who are black, if we're going to have black players, 25%, you know, logically speaking, mm. there should be, you know, at least an actual percentage that isn't like point zero. Maybe to get out of the, what can we do with him if he's a football manager, that wouldn't really work. They That could be an exit story for James. I don't know, I One don't One day think... he's going to become a manager of another place no, down I the other think... opposite end of the country and happy ending for James and Danny can go with well, him. Well, the thing is, I think that you can go... He could stay on the show and be a football manager and just walk around with a tracksuit. Or we could have a new character come in who's been hired by James or the football club as the as the black football uh, manager. Maybe. I keep saying football manager and thinking this doesn't sound like it's a real job. <laughs> what do you mean football manager? What does he do? Like lines them up. They just stand on the edge of the pitch with their hands on their hips. But you know what I mean? When I'm thinking, the more I say football manager, the more it turns from the game to the actual <laughs> object. And there's a man in an office with a line of footballs and he's just standing there like, yep. <laughs> yep, line them up. Got my balls in order. Yep. Anyway. From biggest to smallest, they're all the same size, sorted. I'm fed up with this story. Let's move on to the Salet parking one, which um, has had my second favourite character of the week, of Fergus, 
Amazing. So um, it starts off on Monday with Tim annoying this beefy driver who's parked opposite the um, to the cabin, I think it was. And he's, he's there taking down his number plate and uh, the guy drives off and Sally thinks that Tim's got rid of him. And that earns him a pint. Not a pint the bar of, is so low for Tim. Pint of barbecue sauce. Then right Sally spots that this councillor's car is back, the one that was a problem last week, and it's parked on a drop, si- drop curb outside the medical centre, no Illegal. less. Um, it, nothing came out of the fact that she was chasing after him and filming him last week, did that? I don't think so. Anyway, she and Fergus, um, she sees Fergus, and she's able to convince him to do something about it, um, which seems to involve going to have a cup of tea at the... Cafe? What are you I'm just getting something. What are you getting? You're getting a Rennie's or something. Yeah, you are. Um, anyway, so the councillor comes along later, has a bit of a moan at Fergus, and Sally barks back because Fergus is a bit of a, a, a meek mannered man, I think. I don't think he liked confrontation particularly. Um, Perfect and, job to be a. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, never had to deal with irate members of the public or anything. Anyway, Fergus tells Sally, you should get into politics again. And Sally's like, you know what? I was amazing when I was a mayor. Why did I stop being a mayor again? Oh, yes, it was Tim. He made me stop being yeah, a mayor. Yeah, Tim. I'm going to go and tell Tim all about this and rub it in his... No, it's not exactly how it works. She goes and tells <laughs> she goes and tells Tim later and um, she's clearly very restless and, and excitable and she's got this new, this new idea that she wants to do something with and he's not really listening. Wow. So Wednesday... It's their wedding anniversary, the one-year anniversary of them getting married for the second time. And, as Sally points out, 19 months since she found out that he was a bigamist. <laughs> Bit of a silly line. Kind of funny. Don't think Sally would actually have said that or why she would have wanted to have brought that up again, but never mind. Anyway, much more exciting than Tim's anniversary card to her is this post from the council, because it turns out they are now considering her parking proposal. So they're one step closer to making Coronation Street a residence-only parking zone. Hooray. I like the end of that scene where Tim's trying to desperately get her to look at the card and she she opens it up and goes ah oh, and then just rushes off to work and that's the extent of Cost the... Cost him a fiver! He got it from the Northern Quarter! That did not look like a five pound card, I tell you what that, you £1.75 coming. at the most for that one, Tim. Um, so Tim finds... Um, Fergus and Sally together in the pub again later. Can I and just say, what? good thing about that, Tim, is that you can save that for next year. She won't remember. No, that is true, actually. That's very, very true. <laughs> um, Sa- Sally, um, Sally's there with Fergus, like I said, and um, he's a bit put out by the fact that the two of them are there with their heads together talking parking stuff. Uh, and he's like, yes, but it's our anniversary here today, Sally. We're supposed to be going to, uh, to the bistro. With the tasting menu thing that's going They're on. Forty ninety nine for three curries and a beer. Yeah. Um, he he clearly wants Sally all to himself and um, he well, when they're there and he says right give me your phone I, I don't want you on the text in Fergus during this but then Fergus comes in off, and this is where he offers his salutations <laughs> he had I two great it. he did it exactly the way you explained salutations. it salutations get it the, <laughs> and the other one earlier in the episode as well when Tim comes into the pub and he does his little imaginary handshake doesn't he where he like, held, holds his hands <laughs> up to his clavicle and gives it a bit of a wiggle like he's doing T-Rex he's so him. so brilliant I absolutely adore Fergus um, so then, um, then Tim gets um, increasingly annoyed by Fergus ravaging on about the widths of cars and and then there was that story about dog poo sm- smeared on windscreens yeah, or something. Yeah, what was that about? I don't know, but um, eventually Fergus finally gets the hint from Tim that he doesn't want to spend his whole w- wedding anniversary wittering on about that. So he leaves. Sally and Tim can finally spend some quality time together and get a pre-shag takeaway instead of staying at the bistro. 
Wow. Score. How disgusting. I say have food after. Hmm. I'm surprised how, um, <laughs> for one, I never expect to see Fergus. Whenever he comes back again, it's like, oh, You that's get really good. excited when you see him. You're like, yeah, He is. Fergus. He's my new Dr. Gaddis, I think. Hey, I think you're right. Um, I'm surprised we haven't had much of an update on Izzy. You kind of forget <laughs> yeah. that he has anything to do with Izzy whatsoever. Yep. Like Sally, surely she she might ask about. I don't know. I I just think it's I think it's lovely. I think it's a genius move to give him more to do. But I the the Izzy story still seems very very unresolved, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because they what was it like? Sorry, I can't we remember lied where to they you. last they left it last. Like work how you can, but I don't know. The I whole know. thing seemed like it was heading towards a bit more of a fleshed out conflict with Sarah and Carla going head to head, and and then it was like. Oh, we're both idiots. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder. I, I think it. I, I think it's quite lovely that Coronation Street have given uh, Toby. I, how do I say his name? Hadok, Hadok. I don't know. They've given him a job because I'm guessing. My, like, does does Shirley Houston not get as much Cory cash? When she's shielding, I don't know how these things work. Sorry, right, because shielding doesn't exist anymore. She would have signed a contract for a minimum number of episodes. And it ju- it don't... just feels nice that more money is coming into their household through Coronation Street now that her partner has got a job there. Okay. No, I was just think that's nice. All right. Am I looking at this wrong? I don't know I don't what know. you're. I'd... Okay. Um. Anyway, that that was it. I didn't think he's good. Oh, the other the other thing that I liked in that was uh, when Sally said, "Oh, I was mayor." She, she tells Fergus and he's like, yes, you did mention it a few times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Miss Sally the Mayor. The, the only I question think, is... I think that, do you know what? I think Sally being the ex-mayor and, and like reminiscing on her very brief spot in the limelight is more funny, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know whether she... Is she allowed to go back into politics if she spent time in jail? I know that she was um, cleared I, in the end, wasn't she? I don't think she? you can be a member of parliament... I don't know. Can you be but a mayor? They don't have anyone as the mayor of Weatherfield, don't they? I think you have to be a but bit the of question a criminal is, to be a politician. Is Tim going to try and stop her? And Such and are we supposed to? And will will we be cheering him on as he stops her? Because only he can save Sally from herself. And meanwhile, Gemma and I are flying the lone flag, saying no, oh, no, really? no. You used to argue with me about this. What? Didn't you? No. Oh, but, oh, why I... is oh, Tim's such a good guy? No. Oh, I so definitely mean. wasn't mad at Tim for... Stupid man. ...for stopping Sally and her political aspirations. He was Thank being you such a much. drip this week. Oh, Sally, I want a curry. Can we have a curry, please? Oh. Grow up, idiot. Daisy. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> Daisy and Leo and Jenny. I wasn't going to say anything about him, because he, but he honestly, come on... If you're a Tim fan, weren't you just a bit annoyed this week with how much of a dim-witted simpleton he's turned into? Harping on about barbecue sauce and sitting there like a little boy waiting for his mum to to order the food. I don't think that his character has changed particularly very much over the year, not compared to some of the others. I think they've been fairly consistent with him. I didn't think it was possible, but I do think they've dumbed him down. (laughs) Right. He's no Kirk yet. (laughs) Yeah, because he's... I mean, Kirk's... At least they attempt to be clever with Kirk's um, jokes, even though they're usually rubbish. Mm. What's funny about him saying, I don't like barbecue (laughs) sauce? Right. Daisy. Got that out of your system. Oh, I feel a bit better now. Yeah. Um, day. Ken encourages Daniel about Daisy, but Jenny doesn't think they're right for each other. 
And then Daisy sees Daniel and Summer chat and she gets a bit suspicious. And he, she, so she's asking him out. And he says, I can't, I've got marking to do. Then in the pub, Johnny tells Jenny about his new place, which is, he's like moved into a flat around the corner yeah, or something. Yeah, in the Morsley Street now. It doesn't seem to really be loving it. It doesn't, but there's another really lovely scene. Of, and it's just making me think, what is going on with Johnny and Jenny? I know. You're just teasing me because they're being so incredibly slow about getting Johnny and, I'm sorry, Jenny and Ronnie together, which I still feel is inevitable. But then they teased me with this. And, and Jenny was being like, oh, yeah, we're friends. She's she's They build bear and absolutely zero ill will towards each other, do Makes they? it worse. So it does, way, it really does like, make it can't worse. Can't you just because, go out together for the yeah. kids? Like, AKA me and Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daisy says, um, yeah, Johnny invites Jenny over for some tea. And then Daisy tells Jenny that he's making the move on her. And then she asked Jenny, is Daniel gay? Because he doesn't seem to fancy me. And that's the only thing I can think of as to why you wouldn't. And Jenny's like, no, his actor's gay, but the character's not. Don't be stupid. Then, Hunky Builder. You've written Hunky Builder. So that was your choice for, for, for this. Jenny says he's hunky. Hunky for, hunky for Daisy. He is called he was, Leo. He was very macho and buff looking. And, and he was, um, you know, competition for Ronnie in the bulging shirt stakes. Yeah. All he needed was the floppy hat. What? You know, like Ronnie's floppy hat. <laughs> Leo. Um, Surprised Jenny's not going after him herself because that's obviously a type. I really thought that the joke here was going to be at the end of the week that it's Leo fancies Jenny, not Daisy, but they never went there. They didn't go there, but the fact that Leo is the guy that's working on the sinkhole and the sinkhole oh, yeah, fixing gonna is going to be happening hole. soon means that we haven't seen the last of him. I want to know what do you do with a sinkhole? Like He's like, I'm going to be working on the sinkholes. Like, Leo, are you just, just not going to be pouring into... <laughs> dirt in the hole? <laughs> What else is required? I don't Do know. Do tell me. I'm, being, I'm actually interested to know. I assume it was just putting sand in a hole. I've done that before. Meanwhile, Jenny is still egging Daisy on. Leo leaves. Daniel comes in. Daisy's smitten. Jenny thinks he's got far too much baggage. By that, she means marking. And he blanks her when he talks on the phone to Ken. Oh, yeah, now, to Ken see, I still him. thought that Daisy was only after... Daniel because the of the house. But this hasn't come up that, again. No, so. there, there's mixed motivations here. Like, in a way, it's kind of sweet because they've certainly seen and shown a more human side to her. But I still think but that I, she. I can't help but think she's up for some. I think she's forgotten that she fancies him for that. I think she's given herself a lot more credit than she's due. I think she really only does fancy him because. Well, she, she, she was. He's rich. She was turning down. Um, Jenny's offer to to go and chat up Leo because she's like, oh, I like prefer brain to brawn now. But I I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know what to believe. Well, didn't with she her. also tell Dan- Daniel that everyone hates teachers the other day? So make your mind up, Daisy. Yeah. Anyway, on Friday he comes back to the pub. He's he seems to be looking for Daisy. Jenny's trying to get them to get together again, and she's trying to dig. <laughs> she's like, Leo, we're doing a what's she what's she say? We're doing a couples thing yeah, for, for people, for people but only the really committed stable. relationships. Yeah. And he's like, Well, I don't have a girlfriend. She's like, Oh, interesting. So subtle, oh, Jenny. Nice one. Come for a beer tasting with us later. So um, Ronnie hears about this, and they're like, You're not invited. And then Je- Daisy tells Jenny that she should be focusing on fixing in her love life, not her, not Daisy's. Then they get um, into the, the the back room and they're tasting all the beer 
all tastes horrible because it's all beer. Jenny's trying to set them up. Daisy's not really interested. I think she's having flashbacks to the last time she got drunk in that room with a man. Oh, yeah. Doing, doing alcohol tasting. Didn't end well for anybody, did it? Mm. Um, Leo makes his excuses and leaves and Jenny can't believe Daisy's letting him slip away. So, yeah, no, I think what you said earlier about um, Leo fancying Jenny could definitely be definitely be possible. The question is, would, like, would Jenny, you know, would she be up for it? <laughs> Well, it depends. I don't think she'd want, to, uh, you know, a long-term relationship with, with him. But, you know, why not have a little bit of a well, I, fumble in the in uh, sinkhole? <laughs> I wonder whether that's how what's going to bring Ronnie into it. Whether, like... Get out of my sinkhole. Whether he'll see them canoodling and get extremely jealous. Go and then say, oh, Jenny, you're the one that I want. Well, no, yeah, or or it could see because her really, put, push him into Debbie's been, arms because he seems like he's he's kind of like playing them both. I think he'd rather have Jenny, but um, well, Debbie's he'll he'll, ha- he'll settle for Debbie if <laughs> Jenny continues to not really want to commit to him. Hmm. I don't know, I don't know, but uh, da- Daisy and Daniel um, really bad. Yeah, clearly not a good couple for it. Daisy for is not, not the sort of person who's going to cope well with not having, not being the centre of attention 24 hours a day, which is unfortunately, if you are married to a teacher, yeah, you have if to Yeah, he's got all this marking, supposedly. Hobbies. He's not going to have the time no. that somebody who is as so self-absorbed and needy as I She's imagine Daisy would be. She's going to end up having yeah. affairs if she, if she was married to a teacher. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just like me. What? <laughs> Gemma, Gemma got, you know, she got a new phone a couple of weeks ago and she's kept her old phone and yes, I'm convinced that that's for her boyfriend, yeah. Um, okay, all right. We've Wouldn't got, that be a twist? Finally. I, I'm actually, I've actually got a secret um, EastEnders podcast with <laughs> another man. We have got the extortion story with Sabine and with Imran and with Toya. And uh, Toya realises on Monday that there's maybe... I forgot maybe, they were in it. They were in it on Monday. Yeah. Toya's like, there's something going on with him, Ran. He's, he's not being himself. And he says, oh, no, don't worry. It's just it's just Sabine. She's just going on at me about this this case. Um, and Toya has just been so bloody reasonable about the whole thing. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, mate, it's fine. Yeah, maybe you should get over it. Oh. Toya talks to Imran sometimes. Like, she's in the customer complaints department of, like, a big brand. She's like, how can we make this work for you? <laughs> what is it that we can do to, to make this right for you, Imran? So Sabine comes into the office later. Again, she's like saying, oh, Imran, oh, you're a mystery lady. That, that night, the, uh, the, the, the verdict, they, hmm, 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 what, what's going on? And he's, he says, you have no evidence that I slept with anyone. <laughs> That's he, not what he, somebody says if they've not slept with Yeah, he, doesn't, he, he does say, I didn't have an affair, but he doesn't say... I didn't sleep with anyone. And surely, 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 he would have said, I didn't sleep with anybody if he didn't. I don't know whether the fact that Abby's been spending all her time with um, old Tez has got anything, whether that's um, evidence against the fact that she hooked up with Who? Imran. Tez? Oh. Abby. But not necessarily. She, she could very well have had a bunk up with Imran on the night of the verdict and then gone to Tez after that, I suppose, couldn't she? I don't know. She, she's still my number one suspect. Anyway, he says, no, I didn't have an affair. I love Toya. And she's like, well, tough. I'm going to blackmail you and you can do this Gaskell case. Otherwise, I'm going to tell her everything. Yeah. And what what the job would be would be convincing the jury that Sharon, Sharon Gaskell, was the ringleader of the whole deal, that she managed to coerce Carvey 
and pressure him into taking over the business while she was recovering from cancer. And she's, and this is when she says, I don't believe it at all, but I don't really have to. I just need to convince others. And this ties into what we've said on the podcast recently, wasn't it? Where, yes, it just, she doesn't have to believe him. She does. But she, have, she, she, the yeah, thing she is, if another... she knows it's not true, she can't represent it. If she knows it for fact to be a lie, she can't mislead the court. But she certainly can can say, look, tell me a story, a plausible story that I can sell to the jury about why you're innocent. Mm. Anyway, um, Imran's begins to real uh, real realize through the course of this conversation that the only re- reason that Sabine is interested in him is because he's got contacts with people on the street who um, he maybe wants to do a bit. He had to get a bit of digging from, uh, and she's like, "Oh, did you think I wanted you for your brain?" <laughs> I, I said, I'm sorry, no. but I said this last week. He's a loser. Oh, so sad. No, he literally is. He's lost some cases, it's true. And so, Sabine um, is is clearly, a, like, she's like a pedigree horse, isn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so very handily for Imran, um, one of the three people that gets brought up as, uh, you know, it would be nice to get some information from them, which is Simon, is having tea rounds at his and Toya's house for some reason. I guess it, it makes sense right. that you go round your aunt's house for for dinner, but and you've never, never seen, seen them it doing before. it. And it also, he seems a bit old. Yeah. Like a teenage I, boy going round his aunt's house it, by himself. It felt a bit odd that he was there. But in he any case, it doesn't matter. He, it's because um, Toya does dino nuggies. But I bet you he doesn't realise that they're actually... Soy nuggies. <laughs> well, Imran's plan has come up trumps because when he goes and follows Simon after the uh, after the tea at the auntie and uncle's house, he finds out that he finds out more about when he was doing his drugging with um with Jacob and and Harvey earlier this year, and the fact that Sharon would contact them on this special phone, which again very handily he's still got at the flat, and also nice one Simon, he's letting Imran borrow it. And so he takes... I like the way Simon's such a gullible idiot. Imran's like, oh, it would be really helpful. Can I look at that? Oh, yeah, can I borrow this? And he's like, yeah, whatever, fine. Like, helpful for what? What are you talking... Are you trying... Are you starting your own drugs business? <laughs> um, so he, he takes this phone to Sabine, does Imran, and says, right, I'm done with this case now. I know what you wanted. And Sabine's like, no. Why start now we're having so much fun? You've just proven to me that you will... Idiot. You will do whatever I ask of you. Thanks very much. Thanks. You're still on idiot. the case and I'm still blackmailing you. Yep. So um, the end of the episode turns up, uh, he turns up to the bistro. Again, they don't have any customers ever. He's got a meal there with Toya who suggests that they should start looking into fostering again. He's a little bit taken aback by this, but then says, yes, we should do it. And then they end the episode by saying how much they love each other. And isn't it lovely? But little does Toya know that Imran is harbouring a deep, dark secret. Sexy secret. But it's funny because I think they're still trying to make us feel sorry for him. As as (laughs) dirty as a dog as as we think (laughs) he he is at the moment. And, And... yeah, the, he's not he's not denying that he's done something bad, but um, it it feels like we are supposed to not really hate him, <laughs> don't you think? Um, yeah, yeah, it's weird. He's being played very sympathetically because he's got he's got Sabine 
<laughs> that's manipulating him. And but also, because we don't like, know who it is that he that he's slept no, with. So. He's not giving the usual soap tells that we should... You know, he's not somebody to be trusted anymore. He's not like giving these evil glances at the end of around. scenes or, or anything like that. Or he, he's not, you know, purposefully lying and trying to deceive and... You know, I, I, I don't know. Oh, I, me. It, it feels like maybe at the end of this, they will be able to have some kind of redemption for him. We're, we're not supposed to be hating him mm. at the moment. That's what you wish. I, I do wish that. Uh, I, I, I figure that now Toya has got the idea into her head that they want to do some fostering. Maybe they will get a foster child just at the same moment that it turns out that Imran spent the night with somebody else on the night of the verdict and that puts a spanner in the works and, somewhat. And that what? person... Is Pregante. Ah, oh, maybe that person. That would is. be a, a right maybe. crapper, wouldn't it? <laughs> For old Toya. Yeah. Do you think that we're going to be seeing Sharon again? I was quite surprised that she got a name job. I've got no, literally, I've just... got no idea whether Tracy Bennett is coming back. No, I don't know. But oh, nobody has considered this. What? What if the person that Imran slept with cannot get Pregante because it's a man? What? Why not? Could be David. Maybe it's Sharon. Could be. I mean, Sharon's a lady. <laughs> okay, we're done with this week's Coronation Street. Um, we, we managed to make it through not too short a street talk, to be honest, considering we didn't have very much to say about it. But well, it was it was the epitome was of the... fine this week. It, it, I, I stand by what I said at the beginning. It wasn't. It didn't bore or annoy me. But very little of it excited me. But I did get a few laughs from from Debbie and Fergus. Um, so I think my character of the week has got to be one of those two. <laughs> really? Oh, you're going to give Absolutely. it to Fergus? I, I think it really could be because Debbie, I know what I'm getting. And, and with, with Fergus, he kind of surprised me about just how much I'm loving him. His salutations, his silly little handshake, <laughs> his nerdiness about the cars. Um, the, the way he's delivering his lines. He's a real character, yet he's still... He's still kind of believable in it as well. I want to see him... They just need to put Fergus in scenes with lots of other characters and see who he, he bounce really off. He really feels but... a bit like a new Roy. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, <sighs> I think I'm going to go for him. Sorry, Debbie. You're great in everything, but I, she, I think there's, it feels had... like there's plenty more chance in the future She's to say Debbie. She's a maniac, woman. I like her... Um, I liked... Did I mention the other jumper that she was wearing? This leopard one. Oh, yeah, one. she's worn that before. Yeah, it was with a big leopard on the chest and, like, the arm goes down... The, yeah, the leopard's arm goes down her actual arm. So when she was Leopards serving... don't have arms. They only have legs. Their leg goes down her arm. So when she's serving <laughs> things at the bistro, it looks like a leopard's giving it to her. It looks like anyway. she's got this weird mutant cross between a giraffe and a leopard. <laughs> fashionable. It is fashionable. Um, yeah, I'm giving it Fergus. Fergus and... I didn't give it a score. No, you didn't. Um... <sighs> I I would say after Wednesday's episode it was so very middle of the road that it was a three but today's didn't have a whole lot I okay, it was okay but at least the other ones had something that made me think oh this is brilliant and I don't think there was anything in tonight's episode was like yeah this is amazing so I'm going to go down and give it um, I'm going to give it two <gasps> Two. two yeah no From sorry three. two and a half two yeah, and a half sorry say. i'm gonna give it um two and a half uh beshingled chefs <laughs> out of five. Oh, poor what's his sorry beshingled shoe chefs navid navid yeah <laughs> um 
I don't know what I, I want to give it a three. Yeah, I'm going to give it three generic curries. Um, <laughs> why would you go to? I wouldn't. I literally. This is my. I don't have many food rules about ordering food, but I will never order something that says curry. Well, they didn't have that in the end, did they? They had the proper. Yeah, but proper I would Nabeed also. Special. I would. I will very rarely ever order curry from a, from a just a restaurant that does mm. lots of different things because I'm like. I don't think you know. Well, how you know to that make you can it. make it better yourself. Well, yeah, I know what I can. So who's your and character of the week? That's not wasting. It's because I use the those spicery. Listen, if you want to make good curries, get spicery kits. Yeah, They're great. fantastic. Um, character of the week, Gemma. I don't know. I don't know who should it be. Um, what What would you say about giving it to Fergus or Debbie? I can't give it to Fergus. Why? He just didn't, didn't tickle you I, as much I actually, as he did me. I don't think you've realised this in how many years we've been doing this, five. Mm. I don't really think puns are that good. Hang on a minute, five <laughs> years of the podcast. How long have we been doing it? Nine, Nine years. years. Nine Nine years. Bit, yeah. I don't know about maths. I don't know about money. Podcasting next Time summer. means nothing to women. It wasn't just podcast. Because we never It wasn't just the puns, sorry, that was great about him. It's just his general demeanour. Okay. I was making a joke. I was making a joke about puns. Do okay. you mind? No. Okay, good. Debbie? Oh, I don't she know. She was really, really great. It was uh, not a great week. But you're giving it a higher score than me. I know, because I'm nice. Ardy, for being nice I and understanding really around summer. I did really want to give summer. it to Ardy earlier, but I thought you'd give me a really hard time. No, you can give it to Ardy if you want to. I did like Sally. Ardy, but he, it wasn't his best week, was it? It wasn't his best week. Uh, he, was, he was definitely a side character. He didn't have oh. any... Any classic RD scene. The thing is, I much prefer RD as comedy sidekick to Dev than devoted boyfriend to boring summer. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. Um, oh. Tim. <laughs> I want to give it to whoever put barbecue sauce on their bacon bat. To wind Tim up. That's Tyrone, isn't it? Yeah, I'll give it to Tyrone. <laughs> you can't give it to Tyrone. <laughs> he wasn't even in it. Choose your character, Jemma. Oh, I don't want Naveed. No, you can't give it to Naveed. I don't want Naveed. <laughs> why didn't you? Why not Debbie? Do you not like Debbie as much I love as I Debbie, do? Debbie, but she was maniac. She, I'm sorry, but... Entertainingly maniacal no, this I week. enjoy. I enjoy um, some of these very shrewd female business icons on Coronation Street for when they do smart things and they seem to be clever. Opening a rival curry business <laughs> to an actual, like, people who are not only an expert in, in this, but, like, started out as a Pakistani street food company. Mm. You can tell it's their passion. Why would you even compete with this? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Sabine, you could give it to. I forgot that Sabine was in it was. <laughs> this week. So I she's not going I don't know. Jenny. You can give it to Jenny. I'll if give you it like. to Jenny because I liked like the little spat that she had with. I like the spat, but as I said earlier, I didn't particularly appreciate all of the stuff where she's just going, "Oh, go on, go out with, go out with him, go and ask him out, go and ask him." I thought that once we reached the halfway point in the week, Jenny was just. It's just stuck on a, a loop. Broken record. Yeah. But it was. I I was waiting for the punchline of. Leo to say, what do you mean, Daisy? I was after you. Mm. And they never got there, and I'm still convinced that's what's going to happen next week. Mm. So you're giving it to Jenny? Or the sinkhole. Jenny and Fergus are our characters of the week. Now, 
It's time for our news section. Uh, and it's quite a good one this week. We've got something a little bit different oh, in this week's news. We? Yeah. What is it? Find, Find out. out. And welcome to the cabin, everybody. We have got some special news today. Well, that's no, not special news. We've got a special way of presenting the news this week. Because we've got some people that we're incredibly jealous of. Catherine Wells and Carolyn... Uh, Austin from Brighton, who only gone and spent the night in the Rovers Can't last week. It. Not in the Rovers, the Rovers Annex, sorry. So this was a competition that was run back in spring, wasn't it? Where you, well, it wasn't a competition, but it kind of was. It was it a was, bit. It was, let's have all the Coronation Street fans in the country kind of pile on to Airbnb and see how strong their servers are. Because one person, one more, one pair, one pair alone, got a, will get a chance. Did get go, a chance. Did get a chance to spend the night on the cobbles in a specially built little Rovers Annex building. And, and Catherine and Caroline went and, went and got it. So congratulations to them. And I have got them right here because I spoke to them the other day. Very, very lovely people, I have to say. And um, so they told us all about the experience. So rather than me trying to act like I know what I'm talking about, let's hand over to past me and them to find out what it was like for them. Okay, I'm joined today by Catherine Wales and Caroline Austin from Brighton, um, who were really, really lucky to get a chance to stay, spend the night on the cobbles last weekend. So, um, and they've kindly agreed to, agreed to come on the podcast to have a bit of a chat about it today. So, Catherine and Caroline, hiya. Hi, hi there. Oh, I'm so jealous of you right now. A night on the cobbles, amazing. Yeah, it was really good. It was really surreal when we were there. Um, we were really looking forward to it, and now we, we just gutted it's all over. Yeah, I bet. I mean, how long have you two been Corrie fans? Uh, forever. I um, started watching it when I was, I remember when I was young, I'd go and stay with my grandparents and they would watch it and I was definitely too young to be watching some of the scenes <laughs> and yeah, basically loved it since then. Yeah, I definitely got hooked um, at the, the factory explosion. I think that was the first Cory episode I, I ever watched properly and, and after that I just loved the drama so I kept watching. Yeah, yeah. So had you visited the set before this past weekend? Oh wow! You're so, so lucky to get through then. So, what were what was um what? How were you feeling? Because th- this was back in was it in the springtime, wasn't it? That you that you got these uh, tickets. Yeah, it was back in May, and yeah. uh, Karen heard about it on. I think she just saw it advertised on, on the news, mm-hmm. and uh, I hadn't heard of it. And we kind of we didn't really think that much of it. Just thought, oh, we should try and book it. Wouldn't that be fun? Mm. And then Caroline set an alarm on the day to make sure <laughs> to make sure. <laughs> on Airbnb at the right time and just was incredibly lucky, I yeah. think, to be the one. It just went through really, really smoothly. Like, you just booked it like you'd book any Airbnb booking and it all it all went through and I couldn't really believe it. Now, how, how did you feel? Did, did you, like... You must have been kind of shocked and like, oh, is that it then? Or, <laughs> I don't know, I mean... Because I yeah. think I suppose beforehand, I mean, everybody was trying to get in, weren't they? And thinking, oh, it's probably going to be jam packed. It's going to be full. It's probably going to be someone else. So, what was it like to get the message saying, "Well done, you got it." It was really weird because I've never entered anything like that before. Because I've always thought, oh, so many people are entering, I'm definitely not going to win. But this being Corey, I thought, well, I'll definitely give it a go. Um, and yeah, it just happened and. I was sitting at one end, on, end of the room and Catherine was sitting at the other and I just looked at her and said, I think we've got it. I think we're going to stay on coronation. <laughs> I definitely thought it was a scam. I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way. And even for kind of a couple of months afterwards, yeah. I kept being like, what if it's not real? And so, yeah, it was real to actually go. Yeah. So what were you told about what would be involved before you went? Um, we knew, obviously, we were going to 
be staying in an annex that was made for for one night only mm. um and then we knew we were going to have a hot pot but once we were there there were just so many extra add-ons that that happened it, it was it was really brilliant mm. yeah how, how definitely you... unfolded it yeah um so when we got there it was incredible because we were already excited mm. already ex- amazing but then they just went above and beyond for us it was yeah. incredible so what happened when you got there then talk me through the day um, so we we got there and um, the first surreal thing was we, we had a, a TV interview with Granada Reports and we'd never done anything like that before. Oh, wow. um, so they, our initial reaction of walking onto the cobbles and and looking at the Airbnb for the, for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And then after that we had a really in-depth set tour. Um, so we got to see all the sets and we could go and sit on some, um, you know, go into them, sit on some of the sofas and, um, then we got to go to the Rovers. Um, yeah, and the, the Rovers was amazing because just being able to like pull a pipe behind the bar and ring the bell for last orders. Yeah. Uh, and I it spilled some of her beer. Yeah, I also spilled some beer. <laughs> I was that excited. Um, but it was also just incredible seeing it all because, because of COVID they've had to, kind of clean sets and there were certain things we couldn't touch and it was kind of all cordoned off and, yeah. uh, and other bits that we were able to get kind of more involved with yeah. um, but then after the set tour we had our hot pot this amazing chef had come in yeah. especially on a Saturday and cooked us this hot pot um, and yeah it was just it was fantastic and then I think my favourite thing was the next morning once we yeah. had slept there we were able just to make a cup of tea and then wander around the the cobbles and take selfies and Roy's roll and <laughs> we were just by ourselves wandering down the ginnel yeah it was I, think, crazy. I think it was so great because like Catherine said we were by ourselves and there was no one else there and if you'd go on a set tour normally you'd have lots of other people in in that group and we could just roam around freely um but there, yeah some other things that that I didn't think were going to happen we got to look at the outside of dressing rooms we thought we got a tour of the makeup studios mm-hmm. um so not not just the sets, um, and they said at one point because we were parked in the car park, and the the lady who was giving us the tour said, "Oh, you can just drive onto the onto the cobbles and park outside the the Airbnb." Wow. Serious. So um, that was a really cool moment being able to um, be able to drive onto the cobbles. That was that was an actual highlight to be honest. Yeah, I bet it was. So going back to what you're saying about the sets, was was the Rovers the one sort of the favourite one for you, or was, was there anywhere else like one of the houses or something that um, you were particularly pleased about seeing? Um, I think the Rovers was definitely a highlight. Um, I've heard people say before when they walk into the to the Rovers, it is a real oh my gosh, I'm actually here moment. Mm. Um, I think for me, I really loved going into the factory. Um, underworld mm. um, I, lo- I guess Carla's my favourite character so um, being able to sit in her chair was, was really <laughs> um, but and, yeah yeah, the fact she was great being able to pretend to stitch some knickers was, um, <laughs> was a doing on a Sunday morning yeah. <laughs> I, I love going into Roy's I think Roy is my favourite character so it was just I loved being able to sit in the cap and yeah that was great um but of the other sets, the one that we weren't allowed to go in that I think was my favourite was um, Speed Doll. It was just so beautifully done. Yeah. It and is, it was yeah. off for a scene, which they actually filmed while we were there. So we were yeah. able to watch them filming a scene, which was amazing. Um, That's so yeah, cool, because the... they, they must be filming, what, like late December or uh, late November, December now, are they? I think so. 
Christmas yet. They're just before Christmas, so yeah, yeah. probably around. Um, so yeah, it was it was amazing to. We didn't get to meet any of the. Well, Caroline did meet Chris Gascoigne, which she was very excited about. That was pretty fun. <laughs> we were leaving um, the studios, um, and he was just walking in, and I got. I got pretty nervous and didn't want to say anything, so <laughs> thankfully Catherine said, sorry to talk with you, but my friend's a really big fan, do you mind having a photo? And he was really lovely and asked us about our stay, so that was fun. That was oh, fun, Karen. That sounds so <laughs> nice, that sounds so lovely. I, I heard um, when I was reading about this before that they, would, like, they were laying on some entertainment or some Corrie DVDs or something, is that right? Yeah, yeah they had uh, given us the box set, I think it's of 2000, 2010. Yeah. Um, and so after in the evening after we'd had uh, they left us a bottle of Prosecco which was so kind of them mm. so we Prosecco outside the Rovers and then in our Airbnb we watched some of the classic episodes which was amazing to watch them on the street yeah. and we got to take the DVDs home which was brilliant so we'll carry on watching them <laughs> and some well that they left in the Airbnb we got to take those oh lovely well did you find it difficult to sleep that night were you like too excited or just tired out <laughs> I mean, to be honest, we were exhausted because we yeah. drove up from Brighton uh, that morning, so mm. we were knackered, but it was also, yeah, very strange in the middle of the night, kind of waking up and being like, oh my goodness, we're on Coronation Street, um, and so I don't think either of us got a great night's sleep just because we couldn't quite believe where we were. Mm. Yeah, it was really weird because they they provided a block of toilets behind the annex for us, and I went out to the loo in the middle of the night. And I suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me where I was. And I was like, I'm going to the toilet at 2am on Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you got to just roam it freely in the morning. What, what time did people start turning up the next morning then? I think when we woke up, there was already security there. there was, I mean, there was security there all night, which was yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think from about seven, there were people, because they were dressing, I think they were starting to get ready for Christmas, putting up decorations. Um, there were people there from about seven and on a Sunday I thought that was um, obnoxiously yeah. early but, yeah so we were wandering around getting selfies very early in the morning and these people were already hard at work I just don't think it ever stops there yeah yeah and then um, a big long drive to Brighton that evening then yeah it was um, <laughs> it probably took us about four and a half hours um, I was just desperate to get home to put my kids to bed though so I was like we are going to get home before 6 p.m. <laughs> Oh, it must have. What, what great memories that's going to be. And I bet you're excited to see the scene that you saw filmed appear on screen as well. Yeah, even, even watching the episodes on Corrie this week, we keep saying to each other, oh, we were there. Yeah. We saw that person sat in that chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for coming and having a chat about this, uh, Catherine and Caroline. It's, I, I'm still jealous, but it was nice to live vicariously through you and, um, <laughs> and hear a bit more about the experience. Oh, no you're worries. Welcome. Thank you so thank much for having us. Cheers. Goodbye. See ya. That, wasn't that great? Well, I'm jealous, Gemma. Jealous, jealous, jealous. Why, well, you know why they, they only say, do it for one night? And why, why wasn't it us? If you can't beat them, join them. I can't join them. It was only a two-man um, If you can't birth. beat them, get them on your podcast. Yes, we did that. We did that. They, well, they were also on um, like Granada Reports or something the other day. But we've, No, we've, this is exclusive. This, this, is, this is audio exclusive. Thank you very much, ladies, <laughs> for coming on to the podcast. It was lovely speaking to you the other day. And what memories you have... What memories? Those ones. Right, next Very up. Very cool. That's really Gemma, cool. Stop life in it. Shut up, what? Michael. That's what? a cool life in it. Like, 
Once in a lifetime experience. It certainly is. And um, I would have loved that, but... It's so cool that it was the first time they've been to Manchester as well. Yes, I, mean, I know. I hope they don't expect that every time you go to Manchester you, you get this experience. You also, yeah, you can't just be knocking about. Okay. Um, if, if they do go up again, which I'm sure they will, um, there's plenty of other Corrie-related well, sites to see. If, they would, if they're interested, they can listen to our our past episodes where we've mentioned many yes. different sites well, to no, I, visit I, I the chatted area. them afterwards and I said that if they do go to Manchester again, I will I will hit them up with the information about where to go and see some Corrie-related things. Right, next bit of news then. So this is interesting. Gemma, you're going to like this. Um, this was from The Mirror. Well, it was about a poll, no, a survey, sorry, run by Buzz Bingo and reported on in The Mirror. And it was about, um, it, was, it was very, very oh, yeah. extensive um, uh, survey about crime and murders and and everything in soaps. Um, maybe done to to mark Halloween month. I don't know. But um, if you if you want to go and see this, because we'll read out some of the highlights. But if you go to buzzbingo.com um, then there's probably a Why link on there. Why do you say it like that, buzzbingo? Like it's something that's stuck to your foot. And then you can go and find out all the stats. But um, Gemma, I've got. Did you did you look, have a look at this? Because I sent this to you the other day. No. Well, I'm going to blow your mind, Gemma, live, so I hope that your reaction is um, suitably I'm ready. impressed I'm ready. by these facts. So I'm going to be like, wow. Coronation Street is the number one soap for serious wow. crimes. <laughs> it, <laughs> it has been going longer, I suppose, but that doesn't matter. They, if, you, if you snooze, you lose. And, and well, you've got to have started 60 years ago if you want exactly. to be Coronation Street. So 407 serious crimes. You know what they crimes. say? What? The best time to plant a tree... Is that years full of inspirational ago. quotes today. The second best time is now. Ditto with soaps. Can I say my facts, please? Please do. 467 serious crimes in Coronation Street over its 61-year history versus EastEnders at 437. So actually, EastEnders has managed to catch up yeah, quite well considering yeah. that Corrie had quite a head start. Although, it was, I suppose, it was a bit more sedate in the first 20 years or so. Well, I mean, you know, the, the worst crimes that they committed back in the 60s were fashion mm. ones. <laughs> that is definitely true. Hollyoaks, Gemma, 115 crimes. Hardly any at all. But keep that in mind because there's some other interesting facts about Hollyoaks coming up later. Um, now, they also did this, like I said, this is massively extensive. One of the things that you could do is find out um, how long, if all these crimes were um, <laughs> you know, tried in court yes. and, and the years given out, this is <laughs> so how many... They have. You know what? Why can't we get paid to do this? 5,331 years were sentenced. I think these wow. are the ones that they, they didn't even... They actually these did are the people them. that were sentenced. Wow. Were, were sentenced in Coronation Street versus um, EastEnders... 5,390, so they just about beat Coronation Street. Yeah. It was fairly, fairly level pegging. Now, across all soap, the most common crimes are attempted murder, yep. blackmail, and kidnapping. Brilliant. And there's like a whole, and the rest of the top 10 that you can go and find out yourself. You go over to yeah, buzzbingo.com. Go uh, for, for Corrie, the most um, common crime is assault, and then attempted murder, and then kidnapping. Now, wow. who is the most prolific criminal on the street, Gemma? Who would you say in Coronation Street's history? Well, who's I think I've one? got a bit of a clue because I think you said you mentioned this to me. Is it David Platt? No, it's not David Platt. Actually, David Platt, I think, was number two in this <sighs> in the, the Coronation most Street. Criminal? I can't believe Give you're forgetting this person. It's not Pat Phelan. It is Pat Phelan, absolutely. Well, He's... this is not to do with number of crimes then, it's to do with seriousness of crimes. No, no, no. Pat Phelan had 21 crimes. If you, if, you add, if you toss them all up, there's 21 crimes. Um, and, and Phil Mitchell had... Oh, I have it written here that he did 21 as well. Maybe he did a bit, little bit well, less. Well, that's not I cribble. don't know. Anyway, what a, what a nice crim he was. Now, yeah. no, there's no other Coronation Street criminal in the top 10. So he is like 
leagues ahead of yeah. any other wrongons on Coronation Street at the moment. But um, among among the rest of the Corrie characters, at least, the rest of the top five are David. So David is apparently the number two most prolific criminal on Coronation <laughs> he Street. Is which, naughty. I, uh, which I find quite funny. One thing I was going to talk about in the quiz, um, which I thought was relevant for this week, what? is the fact that uh, however many years ago... Mm. 20 years ago, he was not. He was refusing to go to school. Oh, yeah. So he's got like, no leg to stand on when it comes to criticism. <laughs> so David was number two, then Callum Logan, number three. So David is a more prolific criminal, apparently, according to this this uh, this survey, than uh, than Callum was. That's and crazy. Then Callum had a gun! I know. And then Carl Monroe, and then Nathan Curtis, the, the evil evil kiddie fiddler Nathan and now if um, all of Phelan's crimes had been tried if he'd have been sent to you know uh, up against um, in court he Mm -hmm. would have been sentenced to 278 years in prison had he been found guilty of all of these well Um, I don't think we do that in this country though do we they do in America doesn't matter Richard Hillman 219 years in prison uh, Carl would have been there for 185 years, which is, um, I don't know what's going on with him because Carl is actually in prison, isn't he? He's one of the few people here that uh, didn't uh, meet a sticky end, but I don't think he's there for that long. Nathan Curtis would have been 840, 800, no, 184 years in prison, whereas Callum Logan, 173. The evil drug dealer, only 173 years in prison. I know, but 173 Barely years probably is still a bit more than I would be able to do. So there's a whole section like that about general crime. So can you go and find out the rest of yourself if you're interested. But then there was also a special section as well for murders, the ultimate soap crime. And how many murders have there been in Coronation Street? Well, I will tell you, 36 over its 60-year history. So that's huh. on average one every yeah. couple of years. That's not too bad, <laughs> is it? That's all right. And interestingly, compared to all of the other soaps, Coronation Street is right at the bottom. You know, now remember what I said about Hollyoaks earlier, only having 115 serious crimes? Well... I don't know. I don't know how these stats add up, but there have been eighty-five murders in Hollyoaks. What? Eighty-five murders and one hundred and fifteen serious crimes. So okay, they were missing something. They were missing something. There's only been thirty other serious crimes in Hollyoaks. I'm just reading the stats, everybody. I didn't come up with them Look, myself. Blame Buzz Bingo. <laughs> there have been two hundred and two deaths on Coronation Street, which beats out Emmerdale's one hundred and seventy-one. And the most common methods of death in Coronation Street is a blow to the head. Getting shot um, and getting beaten to death. I've written here runner. Why do I mean run, runner? Well, that's when you're walking along the the hallway and somebody pulls the in, runner, which in, is in the room. rug, out from underneath you, and you go. Duff I've got no idea what floor, I meant there. And then Gemma comes running out, going, "What the hell are you I doing? You've got blood all up the wall. Now we're gonna have to repaint the hallway. Now we've, we've only just moved in." Who got the who who has the murderer with the most victims across all soaps? Well, at number one across them is the Hollyoaks' gloved hand killer. He, that sounds mysterious. Was there a, was there a, was that there a serial like killer in Hollyoaks that... that nobody ever found out who they were? I, I'm guessing so. That sounds like Richard somebody... Hillman wishes he was the gloved hand killer. Yeah. What are you gonna it's say? It's a mystery. No, what are you gonna say? It's a mystery. Oh, you're such a. It literally says it's a mystery. Oh, it is a mystery. Oh, well done. You did a bit of research. Um, We had, yeah, so he had seven victims. Then you had Breeder McQueen on Hollyoaks, who got six victims. Phelan. It was Lindsay Roscoe. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but it happened in 2015. (laughs) Why why is it just called Lindsay Roscoe then? Okay, Phelan is joint sixth in the soap murderer stakes. He's only got three. There were quite a few murderers with three, so I think we need another serial killer in in, in Coronation Street just to. To try and out-murder out the gloved hand killer. Am I allowed to say something now? Yes. 
Um, it really only counts as a serial killer technically if you have three victims. So I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah, I feel it. Come on, man. Because, you know, if you're only technically a serial killer, that's rubbish. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say, I I, I, um, I sent this article to, to Connor McIntyre. I texted him uh, just yesterday and he, he texted me back today. And he, and he wishes us looking on your home as well. Oh, that's nice. Thank you very much, Connor. Thank you, um, Connor. So, so to- can I just add... Yes. Um, Maybe what they need to do, and perhaps this is controversial and bad taste, but perhaps we need to uncover the fact that... Oh, what's the name of the doctor? Gaddis. Dr. Gaddis is actually female Harold Shipman. She's been killing off... You might have been doing it all along. It's and she could have come out with hundreds it. under her belt. I think that would be amazing because the doctors have only always got a bit of a shelf life on Coronation Street, haven't they? Although Dr. Gaddis has Dr. Been certainly been around she for... Well, when we started the podcast, we had Dr. Matt, didn't we? Dr. Yeah. Dr. Carter. And, um, and yeah, and Gaddis is just listening. Keep on going. Because look, Lindsay Roscoe has killed seven people and she was... What well, was Hollyoaks, right? Yeah. Where's the female serial killers in Coronation Street? Exactly, there's been none. Susan Gaddis so, could be our great hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, the, the number, the, the two most murderous murderers in in Hollyoaks and Soap and in, in, in all were both ladies. We have Breed McQueen as well. So we've got to get on with it, people. 2018, it's 2021. We've got to get women. On the on the leaderboard here, we got to represent. <laughs> Two thousand and eighteen was Soap's deadliest year, and there's a nice little line graph that you can see that's like completely flat for the first twenty thirty years of Coronation Street, and then it just climbs, climbs, climbs. Um, but and then with a, a bit of a drop off the last few years as well, because you know with the pandemic and everything, you got no time for murdering. But um, yeah, well, you those... can only do like socially distance murdering, which is mostly poison darts. <laughs> I don't know how many poison dart deaths there's been in soap. I, I think the gun is the, is the usual. Um, anyway, across, yeah, gun would be across all soaps, and this is my last stat here because I'm sure that not everyone's interested in this, but I found it fascinating. Across all soaps, October is the worst month for Good. murders and deaths. Because that's the best month. That is the best. Yeah, the, yeah, the most worst, murders and deaths sorry, happened in October. When you say worst, can mm. you please redefine what you mean? Most horrific. No, you mean best. <laughs> Closely followed by December. So we do like a good soap death in October, the season of yeah. Halloween, and, and December, the season of Goodwill to All Men. Well, you know, everyone's favourite Christmas tale was about dead people. And if you are one of these people that's scared of getting murdered and you would turn into a bit of a recluse, you don't, don't want to go outside, it. I would recommend August because that is the month where the fewest people have died on the on soap in general, so Rubbish. all good in the summer. Everyone's chilling like there it, next to the pool with their, like their sunglasses on there. Iced tea. Or Do you know whatever. that in um, Japan? I think uh, that um, summer is a spooky time of of the year. It's more spooky in in Japan. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I think because they sit outside and tell ghost stories and oh. stuff Interesting. around the fires, good fact, good campfires. Fact. I don't know. Next bit of news. Now, this is confirming something that we talked about last week on the podcast. You heard it here but first. Sally Diniver has <laughs> been confirmed for Dancing on Ice. We Sally Diniver NBE, we secretly should knew. I say. We didn't really know. Um, now, she is, uh, I've, I've not looked into this too much, but I will be watching her with interest when she comes back on the screen. When is Dancing on Ice? January, February time? <sighs> Apparently, Gemma, and then you always like to know this is she professional? Yeah, is she Sally good at Diniver it? is not. According to her, before this, she had never skated before. She said she went with Hattie, who was her daughter once, when she was little. Well, immediately a lie then. 
Well, you know, she went with her daughter. Carry on yeah, the story. Yeah, but she had a penguin, which is you know those yeah. little plastic penguins. Well, she's been you before can then. It's hold on to the back out off. and alight straight off the back. That's still better than us. I've been ice skating once in my life, and I don't think I let go of the bar around I the edge. I hate ice skating. It's, it's, I just I don't understand how it's people not do fun. it. It's it's just like oh, would you like to go in a circle, but worrying about falling over the whole time? No. I'm actually good at it. I'm sure it's amazing. But we weren't, so time. not so fun. Um, she says, I had a penguin, and then I thought, this is too hard, so I'll go and get a coffee. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> go get a beer, Sally, what are you doing? She says, it's a massive challenge. She was on a, she was on the rain the other day when this was officially announced. Um, she says, I'm not getting any younger, and I've just got to take every opportunity I get so that when I'm old, I can say, you know what, I gave it a go. That's the right attitude, yeah, Sally. That's Not right. our attitude. Like, no. what's the point in well, trying? Just hold anything. on to the edge. You might fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Sally Deniver. I hope yeah, you win and beat everybody of, else. We're very proud of all the curry people and that go on the, that the, show. The second Webster on Ice, isn't she, after Brooke Vincent did it a few years ago? Webster's on Ice. Now, I'd watch that just to see what um, what Kevin would say. <laughs> it's like the new Disney thing that they got at the, uh, the parks. <laughs> um, and finally, and, and, and this, this news item uh, doesn't interest me in the slightest. Okay. I don't know whether you want to say anything Fantastic. about this I particularly. I can't read this. There's the microphone in the way. Nadine no. Dorries has visited Coronation Street set. Now she, as I'm sure you all know, is the Secretary of State for UK Government Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. So that she's, sounds like she's a really a, easy job. She's also a Member of Parliament for Mid-Bedfordshire. And she went and had a look at the set. William Roach was there. They had a little walk around together. And... Um, there's probably wow. more, but um, we already had a politician visiting Coronation Street the other week. Oh, and then the dear. Queen. This is just getting less and less exciting for me. But well, she's had a great old career, time. you know, being a Tory MP and campaigning against banning high heels in the office and criticising John Burko and talking about benefits. And probably on her Wikipedia page right now, everybody. Abstinence advocacy for girls in sex education. Good, good, great. Great job. Sorry, this is a bit of a downer as a as a as a final piece on today's news. But anyway, I, I've got nothing to say about that. Hope she had a She opposed. Time. Nobody le- cares. She, she opposed the government's successful legislation to introduce same-sex marriage. Oh, interesting. Great job, Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have got a little bit of feedback. I mean, a little bit before we finish the podcast today. So um, let's head on over okay. to the. Where do we go? We don't go anywhere for we the just, feedback. We can just circle around with our penguin. Yeah, and, and get then a coffee. see what people have got to say. <laughs> Let's move on. Feedback, 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 feedback. We haven't got much feedback this week. Where's our early emails gone this week? We've only got a couple this time. Send us emails, please. We need things to read out. Otherwise, the podcast just load of rubbish for that. You're quite, you're quite frank. But thank you very much to Rebecca and Nancy, who we can always rely on to send us feedback. Um, also, thank you everybody who's voted on our Facebook poll because last week's Coronation Street, most it was funny, I think two weeks ago there was a massive divide. It was the Frieda week where some people like one and other people like four and a half, five. And this week, pretty much everybody on the Facebook poll scored either three or three and a half. And then one person scored it a four, which means that the average score this week on the Facebook group turned out to be 3.28 out of five. So, so, so for the uh, last week's episode, and that included three slightly burnt pieces of toast from Shauna. Robin gave it three tiny prangs, which just kind of made me giggle. <laughs> and um, Judith was um, my pick of the week, I think, who gave it four luxurious foot spas with bonus corn removal tool 
out of five. It's very handy. Thank you very much. It's so handy. Very, very handy. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to, before we mentioned, uh, before we read out Nancy and um, Rebecca's messages, I did want to say hello to James, who tweeted us this week, yeah, didn't he? he said this was he, a nice message. This, what, do you want to yeah. read this one out? He said, I came across your podcast on Spotify a couple of days ago, and I have to say, it's amazing. I've binge-listened to many episodes. It's really good. I'm a massive fan of Coronation Street, so this is right up my street. That's very nice. That was a pun. I know, I know. I'm glad that I put it on Spotify. I don't understand anything about Spotify, I but I know you listen to the podcast. There. No, no, I had to... I had to yeah, click some listen. buttons for that to happen. Listen Thank you very much. Spotify. Stop. Why don't you pay for ours? Yeah. Why don't you get make our Spotify excuse? Spotify <laughs> exclusive. Why? Uh, did why it, are you did giving... it start off as a spotter pillar and then turn into a Spotify? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, why are you giving Joe Rogan a million dollars? Um, anyway, yeah, thank you. I hope that this episode just—I didn't feel like. Thanks, James. I think that the best bit of this episode was the uh, the interview that I had in the cabin today. Yeah, (laughs) certainly not to confirm that. Certainly not. Certainly not the clueless ranting I did about how I don't care about black football managers, (laughs) which I'm sure everyone really wanted to hear about. Um, Nancy, what did she say about last week's Coronation Street? She said. Who could Imran have been with? Yeah. If it was Abby, will this cause Toya and Imran to break up? I want Toya to have a fight. I think they will emerge as a strong couple at the end, though. Yeah, I, I, I really, 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 really so much want to see Toya have a fight because, like I was saying earlier, she's just being really, really reasonable about it and very, very counsellor-ish. And sometimes she can come up as a, come across as a little bit too much of a pushover and yeah. so just somebody who likes to talk through problems which Don't is probably talk, the best way fight through you're a soap star Toya I, I, you got to fight fight what was, that, right. what was that beer fight that she and Leanne had in the Rovers against <laughs> Michelle a few years oh, ago was remember. it we, we, I want more like Do that they I hate just ninjas need, just need something I just need a little bit of spark from Toya that's beef spirit I, oh yeah oh, come on do it Toya do it um, I'm glad that Nina and Asha are friends Nancy also says I think that Asha's going to do well on her design course no Nina's going to do well on her design course also if there was a huge protest I think that they could get Corey kicked off the team no. I don't. I don't. I don't think that anything's going to get Corey kicked no. off the team. He's he's going to leave that care. team and in, in, in a coffin. If listen, or, if people literally dying building stadiums for the next World Cup doesn't put people off of football, nothing will. Exactly. Um, David is letting Max walk all over him. He's not being any uh, a good role model. And I love what Shona said about teachers. I think David is embarrassed by Max, and he doesn't know how to make things right. Def- mm. David definitely does like, like this. They're is... clueless idiot. Yeah, I mean, it's not an, not not an idiot, I would say, because I mean, everybody, I'm sure, as parents, get themselves into these situations where they're like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Nobody gives me a well, parenting no, yeah, manual. And, uh, and yeah, David... how the hell am I supposed to do this? Nobody's helping me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it's quite relatable for many people. But some of the things that David I... was saying last week when he was. You're trying to get Daniel Sachs and everything. I don't think he was going the right way about it there. It was, it was interesting seeing his reaction to um, Summer coaching Max earlier. And he was telling Summer, I think we somehow missed this in the street tour section. He was saying that Summer's a bit of a star for doing it. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, he was he seemed to be a bit suspicious of Summer going up to Daniel's flat, didn't yeah. he? So I still don't know whether maybe there's going to be something that, that happens there or... Is Max going to fancy some or is, is I think David going to, I don't know. It's really bothering. I, I don't know. I think I think that you have a more casual relationship with students the older they are when you're a teacher. Yeah, sure, But I sure. still think that Daniel's being very over-familiar with, yeah. with Summer. Like when he said to her, oh, I'm glad someone appreciates me or something. It's like, no, 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 no. 
And then she's like, oh, what's up? I, I literally was sitting there thinking, I cannot imagine ever speaking to my teachers when I was at, at um, secondary school and being like, oh, what's up, sir? You all right? I know like, what you mean. I mean, no, I know their neighbours and everything, but I don't think... It's, wrong. it's not like they're super close or anything they shouldn't outside be having of school. a friendly chat with each other yeah but you know Daniel is only a new teacher as we know I know but you know he's he's got his uh, he's got his two year early career teacher all the way to go he, he, he um I was speaking to somebody on Twitter about this the other day and saying that he should have like a mentor and everything and going he no, never no, seems no. to Maybe, but at least the fact that he's just started his teaching career might explain why he never well, you know it seems to be one lesson a week because you do get like twenty percent long contact time a week when you first start out in teaching which is mm. like a day a week or so anyway 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 um, Nancy continues um, if they are going to be doing an ageism story then Audrey is the perfect character for her to do it with I've forgotten about that maybe I'm getting maybe I'm getting <laughs> a bit <laughs> demented in my uh, old age I don't think you'll have to call it being demented Audrey wouldn't mind I love the way that she got Max to seal the keys it was hilarious I do think for her own peace of mind though she should get herself checked out um, she also enjoyed Sally filming the counsellor um, and gave that last week's episode three and a half satellite dishes of spiders out of five. It was satellite oh, dishes no. of spiders. Or that's, satellite that's dish worse. sized spiders. Oh my god! What's worse, Michael, a satellite dish sp- sized spider or a satellite dish full of spiders? Well, sat- satellite dishes are on their edge. I don't know how a spider would. You know, You'd cup it. You'd turn it upside down. Uh, yeah, we've got loads of oh, spiders around the outside of our house, haven't we? Every time I go and take something to the bin, like I get, I nearly get carotted by a spider web. <laughs> Although we've also, this is our current woes. We've got scaffolding up around our house at the moment. So we're going to get a roof fixed, and they've only gone and trapped the bins out in. I mean, and we're supposed to be putting our bins out to get them emptied on Monday, and they're like overflowing because we've been producing so much rubbish and all our unpacking and everything. People that are we listening can't get to this our podcast bins out. Can't... We can't get our bins out. Scaffolders. People that listen to this podcast cannot produce, cannot believe we produce that much waste. We, that, that we've got when we put it all into the podcast. <laughs> um, thank you, Rebecca. Uh, not Rebecca, Nancy. Sorry. That thank was you, Nancy. Always good to hear your thoughts. And finally, then Gemma, Rebecca, and good for a shout out for Shana. Yes. yes. Becca says, even though everything is pointing towards Imran being unfaithful, we only really have Sabine's word. And like Gemma said, I don't trust her. I still think she wants Imran back, and therefore using it. Using this, like Michael said, a long game to get Imran back. Out also, we only have Gary saying Imran went into a bar, which again, isn't a crime. My theory is that either it's a massive red herring leading up to something else, or he did meet up with someone, but he didn't, he did the same as Sabine. But if Imran did sleep with anyone, all roads lead to Abby. I also agree with Gemma, Toya needs to show some some more of that Battersby spirit and stop Imran walking all over her. Yeah. I do like Nina and Asha's relationship, but I also think Asha needs to find another partner and give Nina time to work through grieving over Seb and the Corey situation. If if Toya can't, you know, bring herself to get a bit of fire in her belly, I think she needs to get Janice back down because I yeah. think uh, Janice versus Imran, that would be that would be good. Oh yeah, I can just imagine <laughs> can, her going. Who do you think you he'd are? Be you towering over her I know. because Janice was kind of little, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. but she'd be like, she'd be the oh, she'd little stick scrappy jewel, right up his nose. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy Asha modelling in Roy's roles and Ardy winding Asha up. It's really hard for me to read this. You've made it so small, Michael. I know. Sorry, I'm just trying to get used to this new computer. I. Also enjoyed Shona and also enjoyed Ken mentioning Aidan Critchley too. David shouldn't let Max walk all over him. 
he needs to lay down the law a bit. Audrey was brilliant this week and I loved her scenes with Max and Shona. I have no idea what the eyesight will lead to. It could just be simply Audrey getting old. I did like the scenes in the bistro. I thought that said scones because you, <laughs> you had the thing over it. it. I was like, what's scones? Um, in the bistro with the presents. It was nice of James to give the money to Ed and Aggie, but it just felt like filler. Same with the Sally story. It felt like filler at the end of the week, but I did enjoy seeing Fergus again and I prefer Aggie in comedy stories and having somebody to bounce off with, i.e. Sally. True. Character of the week is Audrey and I give it three and a half. Three and a half tax. Or should that be tar? out of five oh yeah I get, yeah, it. I get it I get it so um, both Nancy Rebecca. and Rebecca gave Audrey character of the week yeah yeah I got, I got oh, Audrey so gave much. last week right we're done for this week's thank podcast you, I'm going to end it there it's late I'm tired I hope, you, you, I hope you found something to enjoy in this week's podcast right and let's know what enough. do you think um, uh, what tickled your fancy this week have you got any theories don't give us any theories about Super don't, Soap Week because we're desperately, desperately trying to stay spoiler free don't give us a theory Ish. that's literally what's going to happen because you read it already no please don't and don't like tweet us pictures and say, "Oh, look at this." Next week yeah. is going to be the hard, the hardest time to avoid the spoilers, isn't Why? it? Because well, Tuesday is when I the... don't even know. Can I just make a confession? What I don't actually know when is Super Soap Week. The week after next. So on Tuesday, that's when all the um, the previews are going to start properly Can hitting the internet. Else? So don't go on Twitter or whatever or Instagram Tuesday because I I think it's going to be impossible to avoid. I think that the existence of Super Soap Week is in itself a spoiler, and I'm very annoyed that I even know that something's going to happen. Well, this is the problem when Coronation Street sticks to a rigid schedule of when they do their big weeks, isn't it? I don't it? understand why they do this, honestly. Isn't, I think um, I read somewhere, or somebody said that um, it coincides with Emmerdale's anniversary or something. So wow. Coronation Street is doing... Oh, I don't know. Anyway, nearly time for that, so... Um, even if even if next week's Coronation Street isn't particularly stellar, hopefully the next one will be better. Stellar mm. beige. So Bye. we're done. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Have you seen everybody. Squid Game? Oh yes, Squid Game. Yeah, go watch and watch it. that. It's on Netflix. It's quite good. We watched three episodes. I thought episode two was pretty dull, but one and three were better. If you'd like to know more about Squid Game and its position in South Korean pop culture, pick up the next. Um, issue of Neo magazine, That's the magazine out that on Gemma the 21st of October in all good bookshops and news agents and probably some bad ones as well HMV yeah. bye goodbye everybody the music for this podcast came from podcastthemes.com bye.